this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge, and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. to the show everybody you're listening to the confessionals i am your host tony merkel thank you for being here if you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show go ahead and shoot me an email my email address is the confessionals at the confessionals podcast.com that's the confessionals at the confessionals podcast.com or go to the website the confessionals podcast.com hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well either way works for me just get a hold of me if you want more shows every week go to the website the confessionals podcast.com hit the join button and become a member today because we release a bonus show every Thursday on the website for members only. So if you want to hear more of the confessionals, go to the website, hit the join button, and become that member. Now, if you want, go to preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com. And there you can get yourself emergency supplies in case there's an emergency in your area that you need to be prepared for with you and your family. We got food. We got emergency supplies. We have survival gear, all the stuff right there at preparewiththeconfessionals.com. Com. Please go ahead and subscribe to the Confessionals YouTube channel. We are working on producing the first show of Legion of Legends, where I go out hunting for the legends we've heard about on this show for years. Don't miss a single episode of that show. It'll be broadcasting right there on YouTube on the Confessionals YouTube channel. And... Friends, we are going on the Burn Bray Mansion trip this week. There are a lot of people who signed up to be on this trip. We talked about it a few months ago, and the time is here. Me and a bunch of other listeners are going from Philadelphia area up to New York to spend a night at the haunted Burn Bray Mansion. We're bringing in a paranormal investigation team. We're stopping at haunted places on the way up and the way back. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we also had a couple people that had a drop off last minute last week. And I just want to put it out there. Anybody who thought about going on the trip, if you find that you have an open schedule right now and you're still interested in it, go ahead and give us an email, theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. And we will put you in contact with the right people to get you on this trip last minute. If not, 
No big deal. I just wanted to put it out there that we had some seats open up last minute. And if you guys want, go ahead and contact us if you're interested. Now, today's show is a big, long show. I've never done this before, but I realized that I had quite a few interviews that I've done with other podcasters promoting their show along with their paranormal experiences. And I thought, why not try making this one giant mega cast? And so that's what we're doing today. We have a lot of people on the show today. It's a very long show, as you can see on the timestamps, but I hope you guys enjoy it and I hope you enjoy the experiences shared. Sit back, relax, listen to it one shot, listen to it over a few days. I don't care, but this is something new I'm trying. And if you guys like it, let me know. And if there's other people out there that have podcasts, that have paranormal experiences, and you want to join me on the next mega cast, go ahead and contact me at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Now let's get to the first interview with James right now. All right, today we got James on the show. James, how are you doing, sir? Man, I'm doing great, Tony. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks for being here, man. So, uh, James, you're a professional. So, I mean, you're a professional geologist. Um, I don't want to go too far into your profession. I'll let you do that and let you kind of tell people who you are as much as you want to. Um, but uh, before we go into that and before we go into your experiences starting off in your childhood, please give your show a shout out, what you do, who you work with, man. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a professionally, I'm a geologist, um, retired from the military. Um, and I do a, uh, do a show with, uh, uh, with a couple other guys that are, um, probably your listeners probably know is, uh, Micah Hanks and, uh, Jason Pintrail. And we do, uh, seven ages audio journal, which is mostly history and science, a lot of archeology span and that kind of thing. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, uh, go check us out. We're on iTunes and all the, you know, podcatchers and all of that. And our website is, uh, sevenages.org. Awesome, man. Yeah, definitely check it out and stuff. And that, that those are topics that are always great. And people that typically listen to these kind of shows are generally interested in those kind of things. I mean, when I was a kid, my, one of the things that I wanted to do, and then I realized I was too stupid to do, so I put it aside, was I, I wanted to be an archaeologist when I was a kid growing up. I wanted to, you know, be digging through dirt and finding things. And uh, it, that idea of just finding what's out there, the mysterious history of this earth is just fascinating. I think it's probably one of the reasons why I love diving into like the, 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 the ancient scriptures, you know, like Enoch and just the idea of what existed back then. And, you know, obviously the dinosaurs is one of those things. It's just like, well, I know dinosaurs are fake, right? So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, honestly, that's kind of the basis of, you know, how people end up becoming interested in science and getting into science is they just, you know, they wonder about things. They're like, why is this like this? Why is that like that? How does that work? And then, you know, some people, it just sort of catches with them and they, you know, end up pursuing it. And, you know, I got interested in geology. Um, I was, you know, in the army, I was, you know, young guy. I was like, you know, barely 18 years old. And I got sent out to the West coast and, you know, saw all the, the, like the Rocky mountains and the Cascade mountains up in the Northwest. But specifically I saw Mount St. Helens, <clears throat> excuse me. It was about 10 years after the the big eruption in uh, 80. I mean, it just, I mean, I'd never seen anything like that. Cause you know, I'm, I'm from the Southern part of the country and you know, we don't have those types of mountains and I wasn't really, you know, I hadn't traveled much as a kid and it just blew my mind and it really, it really changed me honestly. And, uh, after I got off of active duty and I decided to go to college, which was, you know, kind of the point of all of that anyway, I just, that's, 
that's just what I ended up doing. So I was really interested in it and I just, uh, kind of made a life out of it. That's really cool, man. I mean, um, it, it it's cool that you, you were able to actually have that happen for you. I think a lot of times people, they graduate high school, they're told to go, told to go to college, get a good job, get an education, get a good job. And you set in and people wind up doing things for a career, their entire lives that they're not passionate about, but because an 18 year old decided to do it, that's what they're stuck in. And, uh, it, it's, it's cool to hear that, you know, you were able to find that direction early on in life and, and follow through and, you know, you're still, still on it and you still love it and stuff. And for the original reasons, um, I, trust me, I, I didn't graduate high school saying I'm gonna be a truck driver so <laughs> yeah well I what's, totally what's, understand I mean I, I and you know I it, it hasn't been a straight path I, I'll have to say I've kind of had reinvented myself and even though I've kind of stayed in the same general kind of career field you know I've changed jobs and I've changed you know careers a couple of times now and uh, I think that's you know to grow you that's the kind of thing that you that you have to do and you know I'm not yeah I'll be uh, 50 this year so um, you know, and I've been, you know, working in that, that area for, you know, like 30 years now almost. And, um, uh, rarely do things, you know, stay the same for any long period of time. Yeah. And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's interesting. It's really interesting, actually. Um, when I was in high school, I was uh, accepted to a school called Full Sail University in Orlando, Florida for audio production. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go into producing music. I wanted to be working in recording studios, things like that. I wound up not doing that. I went to college and kind of started recording people on my own in, in the dorm rooms, things like that. And I put that aside for all those years. And here I am podcasting. I think maybe I did find my original love anyways. I'm, I'm podcasting. Yeah. And I think that's probably why I treat it so professionally as far as like how serious I am about it. I know, you know, I, I it's not the it's not a perfect show. Right. But uh, and it's definitely not what I want it to be. But um, I've always treated it as if it was my career from day one, because I think deep down inside that love for producing audio was always there. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's that's interesting. I never really thought about it like that. Yeah. But maybe I did come back around to that first love anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, you found your way there. And, you know, even the podcasting thing for me was not something that I have really personally considered, but I got to it through, you know, science, basically what I was doing. I was listening to people's shows and then sometimes there would be uh, things that were interesting or, or whatever, just like this show. And I sent somebody an email and, uh, you know, we started like a correspondence and then there was somebody else that was interested kind of in the same thing that we were talking about and had some knowledge of it. And then we ended up becoming friends and hanging out. And then next thing you know, we're doing a show. So, yeah. um, it's funny how, you know, things unfold, but it all, it all kind of boils down to just, you know, being engaged and, and, uh, not, you know, it, it's one thing to listen to a show and it's another thing to kind of interact with the, with the host and the, and, and just kind of the world in general, because that's how, how you, you know, get to where you are is by interacting like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, you were a, a former MUFON investigator, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I did that for a while uh, back in, uh, oh, probably the mid 2000s. Now, let me ask you, and this obviously this has nothing to do with your experience. Maybe it does. But um, how did that go over with your professional career? Um, did Was that something that you kind of kept separate and private? Or was that more like you were open about what you were doing? Because uh, back you know, back in the mid 2000s or whatever it was like this was UFOs was conspiracy theory, crazy stuff. Now it's like, you know, prop, the, the mainstream, uh, the Pentagon is is coming out saying we have crafts that were made from other, 
galaxies, you know, like it wasn't made right. here on Earth. So how did that go over for you? Well, I mean, it's just kind of like you said, it was not something that, you know, I didn't keep a MUFON card on my desk at work. You know, it, if it was it was it wasn't something that I would bring up normally and just kind of any any kind of uh, mixed company or conversation. But if somebody wanted to talk about it, I was willing, you know, willing to do it. But but, yeah, I kind of kept it separate, honestly. Did, was there like a uh, a coming to Jesus moment for you when it came to this idea of, you know, going in, into being a MUFON investigator as a professional geologist? It's like, uh, it, like I said, back then, those two worlds weren't supposed to collide. And here you are uh, kind of walking that fence. I mean, w- w- what made you kind of do that? Well, I was, you know, I've always been interested in that kind of stuff, even as, as a kid, you know. UFOs, Bigfoot, the paranormal, all that stuff's always been interesting. And and what you'll find, if you can get people that are like academically minded, uh, you know, or, you know, professionally trained people, if you can kind of get them away from their peer group, you'll find out that most of those people are interested in that kind of thing. Um, and that's, I'd say that's probably the rule rather than the exception. So, um, but for me to become the investigator, like I did, I wasn't, I wasn't worried about like, you know, it harming me professionally or anything, but it's just, um, but it's good to, you know, kind of keep things in their, in their own lane. Cause it really wasn't a good, there's not a good crossover between the two anyway, but the, the thing, for, at least for MUFON, you know, they like people to be educated and professional people to become an investigator. Cause those, you know, those people generally, uh, are, are going to make good investigators. And, uh, and I did that for a while with them. And I was, you know, involved in some interesting things, but, uh, ultimately I really didn't agree with how the organization is, is, uh, is ran. So I just, I decided to not do it anymore. Yeah. And you know, you said something that's really interesting there because I say that a lot to people, I just from what I do, people find out that I have a podcast. We talk about the paranormal. When I say paranormal to people, I try to condition the audience to understand what I mean by that. But when I say paranormal, I, I mean Bigfoot, UFOs, aliens, ghosts, demons, like anything paranormal is all kind of in my head lumped together. We can you know right. subcategorize it. But when people find out, they often say to me, oh, well, let me tell you, I, I saw these lights in the sky one night or, you know, I had a guy at work tell me he had a monkey run across the street in front of him in high school uh, in the middle of Pennsylvania, but he doesn't believe in Bigfoot. And it's just like, OK, right. you know, so uh, but a lot of people go through these experiences and stuff. And when you when you start really sifting through it, I think that's more often the rule is that people do have weird things happen to them. They just don't talk about it. Um, right. And, right. And so, yeah, it's interesting, man. It, I. I, I don't want to go too far off the course, so let's get into your experiences here and just start us off with, you know, the beginning as a child and stuff, what was happening. Okay. Okay. And and before we, before I really get going, I, I want to make a, I'll just say something that I don't think a lot of people have thought of before, but, you know, when we talk about the paranormal or the supernatural, you know, that's like something that's other than normal or, you know, outside of what, you know, should exist or could exist or whatever. And, but I don't really like those terms because I think these, you know, there's a lot more to the world than what people can see. And a lot, you know, a lot of people know that or have experienced it, but those things aren't, they aren't things that don't belong, you know, in the universe. It's just, those are just phenomena that we, we just don't understand what they are. That doesn't mean they don't belong or they're, they're, there's something extra, that, you know, exist outside the normal existence of the everything. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. And when you look at the human history, uh, look, hundreds of years ago, philosophers 
were were killed for having certain viewpoints or suggesting that there was, you know, the earth wasn't flat, you know, <laughs> you know? Right. And right, so right. Uh, it, it's definitely uh, reality only goes as far as your perspective goes. And that's so right. uh, it, it, that's why I that's why that's why I am with this show the way I am. When somebody comes on the show, you're not going to tell me something that I'm going to tell you is impossible because I'm a dumb truck driver of the podcast. I cannot tell you what is real and what's not real, what's possible, what's not possible, because I have my own worldview through my theological convictions that says that there is a supernatural and that there's a lot of supernatural things that happen in this world. When I go there, I'm just like, all right, tell me your experience, because I believe this world is far crazier and bigger than what I can perceive it to be. Yeah, this is a this is a strange place. So I'm, I'll go ahead and get started and just kind of run this down. And, and you know, when I've wrote you this email, I've kind of had, you know, I've had a whole lot of just really odd stuff happen to me where I've experienced in my life. And I used to think that, you know, when I was a kid, I thought everybody, it had, that stuff happened to everybody, but it turns out it really doesn't. Um, there's a lot of people that never experienced anything weird. Um, and I mean, apparently this has been going on since I was like, you know, before I can remember. And I like the first thing that I would talk about is <clears throat> my mom told me this about me, I don't know. It was probably like 10 years ago. And when she told me, dude, I almost, almost fell out of my chair when she, she told me this, but she said when I was like two, three years old, a lot of times I'd be outside playing and I'd come back and I would be, you know, muddy or dirty or whatever. And she told me that had, she asked what happens, like, how'd you get so muddy? And I told her that the little men had been chasing me again and I ran and ran and then fell down in the mud. And, you know, I didn't even know that that had occurred. I'm like 40 years old when she tells me this or, you know, 35 or something. And my mom doesn't really know very much about the paranormal or anything, you know, along those lines. And I, I mean, I was, it's kind of freaked me out. I'm not lying. I, and, uh, I, I was like, did I get abducted by aliens or something? And then I was talking to, uh, uh, one of my friends about it and they said, maybe it was like fey folk or something. I was like, I never even thought of that before. I mean, maybe it was something like that, or maybe it was just a kid's imagination, you know, who knows? So I don't know what you think about that, but it's kind of a, it, it was just, it was shocking to me. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, a little kid's description is often very vague and lacking detail. Um, yeah. That's what we experienced. What I think it was in 2019 with the kid that went missing in uh, North Carolina for three days. I mean, kid's gone. Yep. No, we don't know where the kid is. Then the kid's back and he says the bear took care of him. Uh, right. Okay. Well, what we know yep. about bears and what, Okay. Can you get more details? No, he's what, two years old. He doesn't have any more details. All he has right. is what he understands. And again, back to the reality thing, his reality was it was a bear because that's all he can understand and perceive. Right. So, right. <laughs> yeah. And here I am with the little men. I'm like, what is that even? <laughs> what does that mean? What little men? Yeah. I mean, what does that mean? You can go into the alien phenomenon. You can go into baby Bigfoot. You can go yeah, into man. so many different things, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. But so, so, later on, like it, this is probably like in late, late 78, maybe, maybe 79. My parents bought this house and, uh, we moved in. It was, you know, it was in the winter time. It was in like December, but you know, almost Christmas time, I think. And, uh, but I think we were still in school, me and my brother. So my mom was home like during the day, like unpacking. <clears throat> and the first day that, you know, they were there doing that. I mean, it was sleeting outside. It was, it was cold out, which is, um, you know, sleet and snow and it's not unheard of in the South, but you know, that's pretty cold weather for us. Anyway, uh, 
So my mom's home by herself. My dad comes home from work at the end of the day. My mom was standing outside and he was like, what are you doing out here? And she was, you know, she said, I, she just had this like this feeling of doom come over in the house. And so anyway, I'm kind of leading into this story about this house that we lived in. That was everybody that was in that house experienced that um, the way my mom described it. And of course, I experienced it, too. And everybody did. But the way my mom put it, it was probably perfect. It was um, the feeling is, is if you don't get out of that house right this second, you're going to die. I mean, it's just it's just like this. It, it's almost like the devil is standing right behind you. But it only would happen if you were in the house by yourself. Like if you were just in the living room watching television, all of a sudden you'd get this just this sense of just doom come over you. Right. And that was a common feature in the house that happened. You know, we lived there for like five years and it was just normal. It wasn't like a, you know, people pack up and move out of their house. You just, you know, you didn't do that. But, you know, we'd hear footsteps in the house at night. Uh, it's when we first moved in uh, the first two or three years we lived there, the house had hardwood floors, <clears throat> but my parents kind of renovated the house and did some things and put carpet in. And I remember thinking, good, I won't be able to hear whatever that is walking on those hardwood floors at night while I'm in bed because I was, you know, I'd be terrified. Anyway, they put carpet down and you could still hear it. So whatever it was, was not, you know, really physically walking on the floors. It was just some kind of weird sound. But it, it really, it just wasn't, it wasn't just the house. Though. It was like the whole property was weird like that. So even we would be outside, uh, broad daylight, middle of summertime, you know, doing kid stuff, playing, whatever. And, uh, we would see things out of the corner of our eye, like shadows, you know, it would look like people, but like dark shadows, see them all the time. It was just, you know, it was just how the place was. We didn't even really think that much about it. I, I didn't realize how weird it was until we moved from that house. We, you know, we moved to another town, uh, when I was about, uh, I was probably about 12 years old and the house that we moved into was just a normal house. There was nothing, you know, that it didn't have any kind of that paranormal energy or whatever it is. It didn't exist in that house. And that's when I realized how haunted that house was that we'd been living in for five years. I mean, the place was insane. Yeah. So when you had the footsteps going on and the carpet goes down, you still hear, did it still sound like something was walking on hardwood floor or was it more like of the creaking of the floor kind of thing? No, it sounded like boots on the floor, like somebody was walking down a hardwood hallway in cowboy boots. That's what it sounded like. And we didn't hear it every night, but you might hear it like once a week, you know, late at night. And, uh, <clears throat> I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was. And, uh, I saw, I, you know, I kind of skipped over some stuff, I guess, but, um, in broad daylight, once I walked, you know, walked through, I was walking through the living room and I w looked down the hallway and I saw a guy walk out of the wall and step across a hallway into the other wall. And it, it was a, it was like, it was a guy down to about at about halfway down his thigh, just sort of like tapered out of existence. And it, you know, it happened really quick, just like a second. But I mean, it was, uh, it was pretty, it's really scared the heck out of me. And my aunt was there, um, I had an aunt that was, you know, about 10 years older than me, I guess. And she would watch us in the, in the summertime when school was out and uh, while my parents worked and, uh, she was, she was facing me and I was kind of looking over the top of her head down this hallway. She was sitting in a chair. Anyway, I freaked out and, you know, started to scream. Anyway, 
I kind of became my my mom like told some of her friends about it, and then everybody every time everybody come over, they're like, "Oh, you're the kid that saw the ghost," and I was like, "I don't even want to talk about this anymore," because I felt like they were kind of, you know what I mean? They were kind of giving me a hard time over it. Yeah, I can understand now. Um, when you saw that, how old were you? Um, I was like probably 10, 11 years old. So if uh, you may not remember this and stuff, but did, was that a defining moment for you as to, you know, what was possible in, in this world or was there oh, yeah. a lot of things that happened beforehand that you were just like, yeah, this is just par for the course. Well, yeah, sort of. I mean, I'd never really like seen, like directly saw something like looking right at it and saw it like that. So that was the first time that I, anything like that had ever happened. So, um, so yeah, I could, I, I never thought of it that way, but yeah, it sort of was, I mean, we would see those weird kind of shadow things outside, you know, just corner of your eye kind, kind of thing, but <clears throat> never, you know, and then I never saw anything like that, um, again after that. So it was kind of a one time deal and I, you know, who knows why it was. And I used to think, you know, as I, as I got older and I kind of understood things more as an adult, you know, I thought, well, you know, what, it, was there a possibility that it was some kind of like strong electromagnetic magnetic field in the house that would cause people to have those feelings or, you know, that kind of thing. But honestly, it was just a standard residential structure. It didn't have any, you know, anything higher voltage than, you know, 120 volts, probably the, 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 uh, hot water heater was gas. So, I mean, the house didn't even have uh, central heat and air in it. It was, uh, you know, it was kind of cold in the, we use window unit air conditioners in the summer and then we had a little gas stove, uh, in the, in the winter time. And I mean, that was it. So I, I just, don't, I don't have an explanation for that kind of stuff. This house that you were in, is this the house that had the, uh, the lights going on and off? No, that was actually the same time when I was talking about the little men, we, my, my, uh, when my mom and dad, this is probably before my brother was born. I was probably about three years old uh, two, three years old, there was a, you know, like a lot of people do, uh, when they first start out, when they, you know, after they first got married is, especially down this part of the world is they'll get a, a mobile home and put it like on their parents' property, which is essentially what we did. We was on my, on my mom's, uh, parents' property. They lived, you know, out of town. So we had this mobile homes where we lived. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, a lot of times when we were gone or nobody was home, my grandparents would be, you know, out, you know, working in the garden or whatever. And they would hear, it sounded like somebody running back and forth the length of this mobile home. And, uh, and then all the lights would come on in the place and they would go over and go and look around, check it out. Nobody in there, turn all the lights off and, you know, lock the door and leave. And then it would happen again. So I don't know what that was. That's, you know, is that like a poltergeist type thing? Or uh, I don't know what it is. Um, now that I don't personally remember cause I was, you know, I was too young, but that was one of the stories of, you know, of the family, I guess. I, I don't know how I'd feel about that. I mean, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, it is weird. It is weird, but it sounds like your family is kind of familiar with this kind of stuff too. It wasn't like you were isolated in it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only person that would never really say anything one way or the other about is my dad. He just didn't want to talk about it. So, um, but everybody else, you know, we, we were always talking about it, especially, you know. It, it was kind of like, man, I, you know, the, the, the house I was talking about was haunted. And it was kind of like me and my brother dreaded when my parents would leave or they would go, you know, they'd go out for the evening and we'd stay home. Cause man, we just, we were just terrified in that place. And, uh, there were several times that we, we got that, you know, that feeling of doom so bad that we would have to go outside and sit on the steps in the dark. And this is not like in a neighborhood. We live like out, 
you know, basically out of town. There's just like woods everywhere. And, uh, so we're sitting out there in the dark on the steps. And when my parents would pull in the driveway, we would jump up and run back in the house and act like nothing happened. Cause we didn't want them to know how scared we were. Jeez. Yeah. That's it was so crazy. Funny. Like, like, we lived there for five years, man. <laughs> like that. So, I mean, it wasn't like every day where you're just like terrified all the time, you know, but it, it really, it did have those qualities about it though. Yeah. I, it's funny. Cause I was just talking to another guy and I mentioned this kind of thing where it, you know, kids, they have this very warped sense of uh, what they're going to get in trouble for, you know? And yeah. a, a lot of times, you know, if you would go to your parents and say, you know, this is happening, they'd be like, oh my gosh, like, let me help you or whatever. And But you don't know if you're going to get in trouble or not. So you just kind of hide the reality of the situation from mom and dad. It's, it's, <laughs> right. it's like, that's, I mean, that's what we did. But I mean, think about it. I mean, we were too, normally kids would be scared to go outside in the dark at night, but that was actually the lesser of you know, the evil staying in the house was worse than being outside in the dark. It was just, it was nuts. So, um, but after we moved from there, uh, we, we actually moved to Oklahoma, uh, cause my dad had, had uh, gotten back in the, in the military and, um, we lived out, you know, I went to high school out there and like nothing, you know, we, we even lived in some really, uh, it was a house we lived in. It was built in like 1910. Nothing happened in that house, man. It was just, just made out of wood. You know, there was no energy of any kind, you know, in the, in that place. So, uh, the next, <clears throat> the next thing that I can really remember happening is like when I joined the army, um, and, uh, I went to basic training in, in, uh, at Fort Jackson, South Carolina. <clears throat> and at the time they still had a lot of the old world war II style barracks. And that's what, you know, that's where I was at. And I mean, these buildings were built probably, <clears throat> excuse me, in the late thirties or early forties for World War II. And, uh, you've seen full metal jacket, right? The, the basic training scene at the beginning. Uh, no. Oh, really? You should watch this great movie. But anyway, <laughs> it's open, open Bay barracks, you know, just all these bunk beds down, you know, rows down both sides, two story structure. Uh, it's kind of built up on a, you know, up on a pier and beam foundation. So it's probably, you know, three feet of space beneath the building. So, you know, you kind of get the point. Um, there was a, um, you know, bathroom downstairs, bathroom upstairs are both on the same end, ends of the building. And then the, the, then the stairwell to go upstairs was on, on that end. And one of the things that they'd have you do, uh, in basic training is, um, pull, you'd have to do extra duties like fire guard, or you'd have to go to, you know, KP the kitchen or staff duty, answer the phone over at the, you know, the, the, uh, company office, that type of thing. So, uh, and then that duty would rotate and you, you know, you might have fire watch tonight and then you've got it again in three days or whatever. And then you do it for, I think we did it for like two hours at a time. Um, and you know, you'd get like midnight to 2 AM or 2 AM to 4 AM or whatever. Anyway. So one night I had, <clears throat> I had, uh, fire watch and uh, fire guards, what we called it. And I was down on the first floor. I lived on the second floor. And then one of my buddies from the second floor was on fire guard upstairs. And <clears throat> the, basically what you did was just try not to fall asleep, honestly. Uh, but you would get a chair that you sat in at the end of the bay. Um, and then you would, you know, it's all, you know, the lights are out. It's dark. There's a, you know, light that comes from the bathroom. So you can kind of see, you know, you can kind of see down the bay and uh, you'd basically just get up and occasionally walk down the, the middle of the bay to, 
you know, to the other end with your flashlight and you, you know, you wanted to make sure everybody was in their bunks and the wall lockers were locked and, you know, nothing was going on, you know, just, you know, or the building catch on fire. I guess you could wake everybody up for that, <laughs> obviously, but cause the buildings didn't have like fire suppression systems. There was no, um, you know, sprinkler system or anything like that. So any building like that, when you're in the military, you have to, by regulation, you have to post a fire guard for safety anyway. So I'm on, I'm doing that duty and I get up and I, and I walk down towards the far end of the bay, which is, you know, the further you get from where I'm sitting, it's just getting, you know, darker and darker and darker shadow. And I get about, I don't know, three quarters of the way down. And, uh, you know, this is a wooden, floor with, you know, floor tile on it. So if anybody walks on it, you can hear their footsteps. You can really feel them in your own feet, if you know what I mean. So, so somebody walks up right behind me, like, like, and the way, the way the footsteps were, I mean, it was like, they meant business. Like they meant to walk right up behind me. And the first thing I thought was it was a drill sergeant because drill sergeants would just appear out of nowhere. You know, anytime, day or night, a drill sergeant might jump out from behind a bush and catch you doing something wrong and it make you do a bunch of push-ups. So you kind of lived, you know, in fear of that all the time. So I, I mean, that's who it's got to be. The only other person to be up is, is a drill sergeant. So this person walks up right to my back, to my heels, basically. And I, you know, turn around and I go to the position of parade rest, which is what you're supposed to do in the presence of a drill sergeant. And there was nobody there. It was just empty air. And dude, I, it, I like it freaked me completely out. I just took off running like a, a, instantly. I knew it, I knew it was something paranormal and I ran up, uh, ran up the stairs, you know, just freaking out. And, uh, the guy up there, he's like, what's going on? And I told him, he was like, man, <laughs> I hate this place. I mean, it's, it's the worst place. <laughs> so, and I, to this day, I think about that occasionally and it was, it was the weirdest it was one of the weirdest things that has ever happened to me. I mean, uh, somebody walked up right behind me and I turned around. They weren't there. There was nobody there. It was freaky. Anyway, one other thing in that building. So it's right in that, you know, basic training is only two months long. So it's, you know, sometime in that time frame. Well, there was another night I had duty, a, a staff duty in another building and I was coming back and uh, I came in the building, started up the stairs and I was, you know, walking up and it's not a very long flight of stairs and it's straight. I'm looking straight up. And at the top of the bill or at the top of the stairs on the right is the door to the bathroom. There's one way in one way out and it's a small bathroom. It's got a little shower bay with two shower heads, uh, two toilets, two urinals, two sinks and a washer and dryer. That's for 25, 25 men. So anyway, so I get about halfway up the stairs and I hear one of the showers come on like plainly heard it come on. And, uh, I thought, what the heck is, you know, what's somebody doing in this? You're not even supposed to be in the shower, you know, two o'clock in the morning. So I step in there, I look in the shower, nobody in there. And I look around in the bathroom, nobody in the bathroom. And then I turn around and there's a guy that's on fire guards walked up behind me, scares me, you know, because I'm all jumpy now. And he's like, why'd you turn the shower on? And I was like, I didn't. I just heard it come on. And he was like, what? And I'm like, I heard the shower come on as I was coming up the stairs. And he goes, well, I heard it. You know, he was down halfway down the bay or something and heard it come on. <clears throat> so we turned the water off and it was on, it was a hot water and it was all the way on. The knob was turned all the way full blast. We turned it off and we just looked at each other like, dude, I, this place is haunted, man. I, I don't know what's up. 
And then I went to bed and I, that was it. Yeah, that's no good. It, was that area rumored to be haunted? Like, did other people have situations happen? I I don't know. I mean, like when you come through that type of thing, the, like there's nobody there that was, it's been there for like a long time. Even the drill sergeants kind of rotate out. So you don't get like that rumor mill kind of a thing. It's like, yeah, man, Jones was here, you know, you know, three months ago and he had something with, you know, people just, you just come through, you experience what you experience and then you move on. And then anybody that comes after you or before you, you almost never, you know, rarely run into anybody that, um, was in the same place you were. Yeah, I get it. Uh, you know, talking about the feeling of somebody coming up behind you, uh, whenever I hear somebody tell that story, it always reminds me, I, when I was in college, I used to work at a pretzel factory and uh, during the summertime. And it was a great paying job for a college student at the time. It was $13 an hour. I was like, I'm making bank, you know? And so, <laughs> like, it, it, was, it was a miserable job because um, they, brought you, they brought the college kids in to be packers to pack the, the stuff into boxes. But they wound up moving me into production. And so I'm going into the back old part of the building and... Uh, I would work double shifts a lot. So I, I would be leaving at like midnight. And the one night I was, it was probably, it, I was, it was a double shift late at night. I was the only person back in production. I was making all the dough for, uh, for Bachman pretzel. And, um, I, I was in, alone making this dough in this old creepy room and, and it, I'm by myself. And for the entire night I'm working back there, I just kept on feeling like somebody was coming up behind me and I kept on swinging myself around to see like, like I, cause I had to be facing a corner. So I'm in this big room, it's creepy and I couldn't be facing out towards the room. I had to be facing this corner of the room where I was working and <laughs> it was just, it was awful. And I remember, I remember somebody coming back and, you know, to check on me and I jump and they're like, Whoa, and I'm like, it's scary yeah. back here, man. Yeah, I want to go back yeah. to packing pretzels. <laughs> Yeah, I used to do a lot of uh, like a building inspection type work. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of places that I went that like there was no power. And it's like an old industrial facility or some kind of old uh, hospital. I've done a lot of work in like abandoned hospitals. And you can get you can freak yourself out in those places. Um, and I, But I never had any kind of anything paranormal happen in any of those things, or at least as far as I know, anyway. Yeah, as long as you know, right? So, I mean, how yeah. many times do people have something happen to them? They don't even know what happened to them, you know? <laughs> you yeah, know? right, right. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, sh- surely, and you know, that, 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 you know, that house I lived in when I was a kid, it's, you know, it was all the classic stuff, like things that would go missing and then reappear later, you know, like your, like, uh, you know, something from school, like some pencils you lay on a desk and then, you know, you come back later and you're, they're not there. And then, you know, I ended up beating my brother up because I think he took my pencils and hit them from me. And then like a month later, they're back in the exact same spot they were. I'm like, there's those pencils again. And it was just irritating. Honestly, it's like, okay, I get it. You can hide things, but please stop doing it because it's just, (laughs) it's just a pain. You know, you're not ingratiating yourself around here, man. Yeah, for sure. So, so I, I told the basic training story, which is, you know, is one of my, one of my favorite ones. Um, but I, you know, I left a couple of things out in the email that I wrote to you. That's how, that's how crazy it is. I, uh, um, there was stuff that happened that I actually forgot happened, uh, later on. So <clears throat> when I was, uh, so when I was in the military, I was stationed in a bunch of places and overseas and, and, uh, you know, Pacific Northwest and all of that. And then, um, but I was stationed back in Maryland and me and a guy that had been stationed in Germany together were they moved us at the same time to the same place. And his dad lived down in Virginia uh, along the 
<clears throat> like the Blue Ridge Parkway or whatever. They live not too far off of that, kind of out in the, you know, out in the country. It's a beautiful place. And sometimes we would, if we had a long weekend, we'd go down there and hang out because he had this big house and his big, nice property. And we could go down there and party and just have a good time. He even, I mean, his house was so nice. It had like a bar area in it with pool table and all that stuff. And, it, you know, the extended family would come and hang out. Well, anyway, we were down there one weekend <clears throat> and uh, it was a, was a four day weekend. And this was like a Sunday Sunday night and like all this dude's cousins were over and everybody's drinking and having a good time. I was having, you know, having a few drinks and, uh, I was sitting up at the bar next to the, you know, one of these guys and, uh, I had made myself a drink and before I, you know, before I ever took a drink out of now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I've had a few drinks, but I'm not like plaster drunk or anything like that. You know, um, <clears throat> I hear this voice like, like over my left shoulder and, and keep in mind, this is like 1992. This isn't like, you know, what we know about people today, but the voice sounded like Bill Cosby, like America's, he was America's dad in those days. Right. And it sounded like Bill Cosby, kind of that same kind of quality of a voice. And the voice said, don't take another drink, go to bed while you still can. Uh, before you go any further, just knowing what we know about Bill Cosby. Yeah. No, man. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Bill Cosby caught poor me. In a, he's like, here, just take this drink. Here's a Don't Mickey. drink that one. Drink this one I made for you. Right. So I know that's always the weirdest thing, but I want to tell the, tell it, you know, like it, like it happened. That's why I always preface it. I'm like, we all know Bill Cosby's a rapist now and maybe he was projecting. I don't know what it is, but that this voice says this to me, right. And I didn't even think it was weird. I just looked at the guy next to me and I said, like, Hey man, you want this drink? And, uh, he was like, sure. And I just, I slid off my bar stool and I went to bed. I just up like without question, without even thinking about it, I just went to bed. I, I did the Irish goodbye, man. Or that's what we call it down here where you just leave and don't say anything to anybody. Cause my buddy was like, he's like, man, you didn't even say anything. And I was like, I didn't even think about that. I just went, you know, I just went to bed and that was it. It is the weirdest thing. And I, I come to find out later, I told this to somebody else that, you know, has some knowledge about these kinds of things. And they asked me, cause I never thought about it really. They're like, which shoulder did you hear it over? Or they asked me, did, was it in your head or did it sound like it was external? And I'm like, well, it sounded kind of like it was outside of me. And <clears throat> they asked me, which shoulder was it over? And I said, it was over my left shoulder. And apparently that's uh, for people. When people hear these types of like, this type of thing happens to them. It's almost always from over their left shoulder. And I don't know what really? the signif significance of that is, but I, I wanted to, you know, add that in there. I'm glad, I'm glad you did because I, I never heard that. And I would definitely like to have that in my arsenal of questions now, uh, because that's interesting. If that's a typical thing that happens to people, I wonder why that is. Did that person ever give you an explanation as to what they think that is? No, I mean, nobody, as far as I know, nobody really even has a good theory. Is it like, guardian angel or who knows what it is, you know, maybe it's you protecting yourself somehow with your, your subconscious or something, you know, I mean, but it's not like I was in danger of getting alcohol poisoning. You know what I mean? It wasn't like that kind of thing. It was just, I'm hanging out with some people and then somebody, something tells me to go to bed and I went to bed. It was weird. It was really my lack of re like even acknowledging that it was weird at the time was even weird. You know, you hear people like, you know, they have like, 
UFO experiences or whatever, and then they just forget about it like immediately. And then something happens later and then they remember that this happened to them. It seems like to me, it's like along the lines of that, where you just like, you just don't question it at all. Yeah, that's that makes sense. No, it, it does make sense. I mean, I definitely heard that before. And uh, it, it's really interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. And, and, and really unexplainable. It's just one of those things that just kind of make you say, huh? Yeah, that was a I mean, and that was a one time thing. It wasn't like, you know, I later developed, uh, you know, became uh, schizophrenic or, you know, or anything. I just it just was a this one off thing. And I don't know what it what it meant. The only thing that I've ever had happen that was sort of similar to that was, um, you know, down here in my part of the world, you know, it's really um, it's really mountainous and um, there's a lot of really curvy roads. But if you're used to that kind of terrain, then you, people drive pretty fast on those roads. You know, people that come from like flatter areas, those roads are terrifying to them. But, uh, you know, to us, we're just a bunch of hillbillies, you know, we're, we're just tearing up and down the roads going 70 miles an hour, you know? So, <clears throat> so I was traveling one day on this road. I, you know, drive it all the time, drive, you know, pretty fast. Uh, it's kind of a long haul from where I'm going to, you know, where I'm trying, trying to get back home. And, uh, Anyway, I'm kind of going through this area and all of a sudden I get this idea in my head. It was almost like a foreign thought. You know, it was like somebody just put this idea in my head. It's like, you know, it would be really messed up if you come flying around one of these corners one day and there was a car sitting across the road. And I just, I mean, I don't know why I even thought of that. It just popped in there. And I was, I was kind of going through this area. It was kind of like a kind of a big, long, kind of an S-curve area with, you know, kind of up and down a hill. And I slowed down when I went through there, which I normally wouldn't have done very much. I, you know, would have just kept on kind of hammering along. And man, I came around that, that last turn. And, I, and keep in mind, this is within about 30 seconds or 45 seconds that I've thought this. When I came around this last turn, it was kind of a right-hand corner. There was a Dodge Durango setting broadside across the road where they had somebody had pulled in and decided where they were going to turn around and were and they had backed out into the road and were going to you know go back the other direction and if I hadn't slowed down I almost couldn't get stopped anyway but if I hadn't slowed down I would probably would have killed those people cuz I was driving like a Toyota Tundra you know it's this huge truck I was going like 70 miles an hour of this thing but whatever that was saved those people's lives by getting me to slow down yeah that's incredible i I can't tell you how many times little things like that have happened to me and stuff where just this, this thought pops into the head and, and sure enough, it was for a reason. And I don't know what that is. I mean, you, it, people who are Christians could say it's the Holy Spirit, or you could say it's a sixth sense or, you know, aliens right. talking to us, you know, who knows, but uh, it's really interesting. And does that play into the, um, the pre precognitive dreams? Well, maybe. Yeah. I was going to talk about that next. You know, <clears throat> I've had a few of those over the years where it's a, you know, that when you have one of these dreams, it's like, it's like you were really there. Honestly, it's, it's not like a dream at all. And you remember it like it, like it really happened. Like it was a normal experience in your life, not like a dream that you had and you're like, yeah, it was kind of messed up. And then you forget about it. it the dream fades. These types of dreams never fade like that. They're just, there's some other thing. So, but the one that I wanted to talk about <clears throat> was one that I can actually prove that I have because um, I documented it the next morning right after I had it because it was so shocking to me. I went on this website called the, the National Dream Center at the time. This was probably about 2000, 
I don't know, it, it's probably 10 years ago or, or so, maybe a little longer. But I had a dream where I, I saw an airline, I saw a plane crash, right? But it was kind of like in the town where I lived at the time. And I saw this plane, you know, kind of looked like it was struggling in the air. And then it basically just like went, went by and then broke up in the air and, you know, and crashed. And it was really shocking to me. I mean, this dream was. And so, and I already knew about this website because uh, I had heard about it someplace else. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go on there and document it. So I did. And then uh, about <clears throat> less than a week later, like five days later, there was a plane crash in the Philippines. And the details uh, were very, very similar. Anyway, the the National Dream Center like scores these precognitive dreams. And they gave me like a four out of five on this thing. And uh, it's still on their website. I think I gave you the link for it at the time. So, um, so anyway, I mean, it was the, the problem with these things to me is I don't know what the point of having these dreams are because other than just kind of like, let you know that there's more to the you know world that we we can see. But for me, you know, especially as like a military guy, I like to use these, you know, this jargon sometimes, but this is inactionable or unactionable Intel. It's information that I can't act on or do anything with. I couldn't help those people or save that plane or do anything about it. It's just, I just had a, you know, disturbing dream about it. And then it happened a few days later. And then you're just kind of like left standing there with like, you know, your hands in the air, like what, why, why did I have this dream? You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, that's really fascinating because uh, it sounds like, this is the time that you documented. So you had the proof, but this is something that happens to you. Is this something that happens like often or just randomly? No, well, just randomly, like over my life, that's happened maybe like five times. And honestly, in the last, you know, probably 10 years, I haven't really had anything that I consider to be unusual uh, happen. And I don't know if it's, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know if it's like, you know, I've changed somehow, like, you know, uh, um, it's stress or, you know, I don't know, or maybe it's stress that makes these things kind of come on and I'm less stressed than I used to be. Or, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, to, I've never been able to, you know, kind of assign any rhyme or reason to it or analyze it in any way in kind of a scientific fashion where I could say, well, you know, in, in these situations, these are the types of things that you can expect to happen. And then when it's like this, I won't expect anything to happen. I have no I have none of that. I have no idea why things happen when they do and in, and when they don't. My my friend who uh, has a YouTube channel called Mr. X Dreams, he, he kind of almost specializes in the whole dream phenomenon because his dreams are trippy. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, um, he suggests that people and he told me a million times I should have a dream journal. The problem with me is I don't remember dreams ever. I don't either. So, so when I have something like this, it's like super, you know, it really sticks with you, you know, it's not like I have lucid dreams every night where I'm, I mean, I just don't remember my dreams at all. Just rarely. Actually, I'll take that back. I had a dream, uh, last night or the night before, cause I told you I, for some reason I was kind of nervous about coming on the show, but I had this dream where like, I missed, I missed the, the show that today I like got busy or was out doing something. And I was like, crap, I got the show it. Like I've got to be on Tony's show at like one o'clock. And, and, and then you were calling me like, Hey man, where are you at? And I was like, 
dude, I'm sorry. I, I somehow missed the show. So anyway. It's funny that, that you say that because I text you telling you I was going to be late. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, um, you know, wow. I would suggest that, you know, if you could remember your dreams, I would suggest to start the dream journal thing. But I mean, and, and I know I forget what he told me. I was talking to X about this and he told me what I should do. I can't remember, but uh, that's the problem. I can't remember my dreams. I can't remember what he told me, but uh, he had, he had a, I told everybody, I'm telling you guys, you guys think I'm smart. I'm not smart. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, um, I, he told me that, that he suggested that I, I start somewhere with journaling, but he's a very, he's a very big proponent of people should, he thinks everybody should dream journal because uh, he really believes that the dream world is just another reality we enter into. And I'm telling you, when you hear some of his experiences and stuff, like very interactive, he's learned how to control such things. Uh, His sister appeared in one of his dreams where he saw her and he communicated with her in, in a way, I think it's more body language, but he tells her this dream when they, when he wakes up and she had the same dream from her perspective, seeing him, like they were there wow. together. And, wow. and so like, there's, there's trippy things that happen during dreams. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, that is kind of weird, you know, and I said, nothing's really happened weird to me in the last um, few years, but I actually take that back. So, you know, when we started doing this, this uh, other podcast, a uh, seven ages show, um, not long after we started that, we decided to take a like a research field trip. Uh, and at the time, I was living down in Georgia, and then the other guys live in were living in North Carolina. And we were going to go up up to your neck of the woods, up to Pennsylvania, um, around Pittsburgh to the Meadowcroft Rock Shelter, and then make a loop down through Ohio and go to like Serpent Mound and and a bunch of stuff, which is you know is what we did. And uh, <clears throat> but there was a lot of like there was some super synchronistic stuff that happened on that trip that like we didn't plan for, we couldn't have planned for. And I actually, so I was the one that was responsible for like kind of planning the itinerary and, you know, where we were going to go and which routes we were going to take. And I made the hotel reservations and all that stuff. So there was, so we went to, we went to Meadowcroft up in Southwest Pennsylvania and then we went down into Ohio and, um, no, West Virginia. I take that back. And we went to Moundsville, West Virginia. Well, we show up. It's like a Monday. Well, the, there's a museum there at this mound that's in the middle of town, this Native American mound. And uh, <clears throat> we were going to go and, you know, film a segment there and do some stuff. Well, the museum was closed. So we didn't know what to do, uh, really. So we decided uh, one of the guys had to go to the bathroom. So we left and we went to the bathroom and we, we were like, well, we'll go back and we'll just film from outside you know, the fence and, you know, talk a little bit or whatever. So we go back and, and, uh, we're kind of getting set up and, and, and Mike is doing his thing. And all of a sudden these it is, cars start kind of coming in the parking lot and parking. And then there's people getting and they're walking down towards the, you know, the museum building. And we're like, what's going on down there? And finally it was a lot of people that kind of pulled in within about 10 or 15 minutes. So, uh, so me and the, uh, me and Jason, we just decided to walk down there and find out. So we get down there and we're like, Hey, what's going on? And they're like, Oh, we're having the West Virginia, um, archeological society, historical society meeting. We have it once a year on this day, um, here at, at Moundsville. And, uh, we were like, Holy crap. And they were like, well, 
you know, we're, we're basically doing a podcast. Can we, can we interview some of these folks or can, and, and they were like, Oh yeah, yeah. Hang on. Let me talk to this guy. And I can't, the guy's name was Randall. I can't remember his last name, but he's, he's a, a, a big wig with the state of West Virginia and he runs this whole thing. Right. And he comes out and they're, <clears throat> they basically right across the street from this place is like an old penitentiary. So people go in and they do like ghost investigations and there's a lot of like, you know, and kind of like the conspiracy theory world, like, you know, ancient giants that are associated with these mounds and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, they asked us, they're like, this isn't about giants, is it? And we're like, no, no, this is like, you know, we're doing like legit science stuff here. They're like, oh, great, great. Yeah, come on in. And they introduce it to this guy and he introduced, there's like 200 people here and they introduce us to all of these people and tell everybody what we're doing. I mean, it was like, you couldn't have planned wow. that, right? So that was a, you know, that was pretty fortuitous, honestly. And then we got a tour of the, you know, the grounds by the, the, the curator of the museum and all the stuff. Right. So then, you know, we continue on our trip and we get down to, uh, um, uh, in Ohio and I can't remember the name of the, uh, the, the town now, but you know, it was just a place that I picked that I thought was, a um, the right amount of mileage, uh, to stop at on our way to Serpent Mound for the, like the next day. Well, it turns out that in this, in this town is this giant, like this, I don't know how many acres it is, you know, a hundred acres, this, this, uh, ancient native site. That's all these mounds and, and, uh, wall structures and all this stuff. And it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's like a federally protected type of a place and it's, you can walk it and all that. And we were like right next to it. So, we go over there. They're like, hey, we, you know, let's go over and uh, check that out tomorrow. That's pretty cool. That's kind of, you know, lucky that we stopped by there or we stayed where we did. So when we get over there, the, the, this, uh, this professor, <clears throat> this guy that's, you know, it's a pretty famous guy in, in, uh, in that world who is basically the expert on this entire, uh, culture. He's there that day when we showed up and he's leading a group from the UN because they want to add this to the, the United Nations. Uh, it's kind of like a, a world heritage site. They're trying to turn it into a world heritage site. And that guy was there at the time that we just happened to just show up. And uh, it was at that moment. And there was a few other things that had happened that stuff like this, that you just are like, you couldn't have planned it. You couldn't have timed it and done it you know, showed up at these places like this, unless you were trying and we just did it by accident. And it's, it, you know, it's one thing for, for one thing to happen, but when it's like four or five things that happened within like 48 hours, I had this feeling, I get this really freaked out kind of a feeling like I was on, I was on a ride that I did not have any control over. You know what I mean? I was like in a, I was, things were happening, unfolding in real time that I was a part of. But I was just along for the ride. It was really kind of a, it was really kind of a weird, freaky feeling. And the other guys, um, really, we all kind of had a moment, I guess you could call it. I mean, I had like a moment for real. You know, I, I think I want you to plan my next road trip. So. <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, that's man. really cool. And, and I find yeah. it so funny. I almost laughed like hard when the guy said, this isn't about giants, is it? <laughs> like, yeah. Seriously, went, that's one of our jokes. It's like an inside joke. This isn't about giants, is it? And we've got another <laughs> one about portals, too. Oh, man. What, what do you mean about portals? Well, you know how like people are like, well, and then it disappeared into a portal or maybe these, yeah. maybe these Sasquatch, you know, they come out of these portals and you know, whatever. 
And I'm like, what does that even mean? What is a portal? You know, yeah. where I'm like, what's our, what's our model in physics for, for portals, you know, and I'm not saying they don't exist, but it's kind of like a, sometimes things happen and we just kind of, people will come up with some kind of a far out explanation of, they explain something, they, they use something that doesn't exist to, to explain something that may or may not exist, if you know what I mean. So what we just joke all the time. I'm like, that must be those portals again, portals. It's like, what happened to where's my shoes at portals, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I get it. I, when I, when people talk about portals and stuff, uh, one of the things I wonder is, you know, is this a portal like you see in sci-fi where, you know, it's like a circle that opens up and it's like swirling and it's like a fluorescent green, uh, or is it more of just like a, now you see it, now you don't kind of thing. And we call it a portal. Yeah. Like a, like Stargate, or is it just kind of like, is it invisible somehow? Like if you step through a portal, would you know you did it? Like if you stepped into like a, like an alternate reality that is almost exactly like this one, would you know if you woke up? It's like the, you know, the Mandela effect thing, right? So, which I can tell you that I really do remember Nelson Mandela dying in prison in the nineties. And then they, and then I was like, I thought that guy died in prison. So there's something to some of that stuff. And I do not know what it is, but it's, it's a real thing. And maybe it's kind of the, you know, the, along the same lines where you somehow the timeline shifted or you ended, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if any of that stuff is real, but well, I would there's, say, some, there's some really odd things that happen in this reality. Yeah. And, and, and here's one for you that this is how I felt uh, in 2016 when, when Donald Trump was elected president, I felt like the entire globe shifted into another reality at that point. Like it just felt different. The world just felt different. Yeah. After that. It felt yeah, like, like we were, right after, like the next yeah. day or the day after. Just, I actually experienced that too. Or I was like, what happened? Like something happened. Yeah. It felt, it felt like we were, in, we slipped into a parallel universe. It, it really yeah. felt weird. And then the last four years, it's like, yeah, it seems like the world is uh, different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's still changing, you know, we, it's, it's uh, like stranger things when they call it the upside down. It felt like we went into the upside down. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. I mean, I actually can appreciate where you're coming from because, you know, I, <clears throat> I uh, the next, the next day and the day after that, I, I had kind of got this feeling like, I'm like, something is going on. Like, this is not how things are supposed to go. You know, it was like something, some fundamental something happened that it changed things somehow. Yeah. Well, I 100% agree with you on that. I mean, that's the way I felt too. Um, now, we talked about the synchronicities. We talked about a lot of this stuff, but you didn't talk about the uh, black triangle UFO you saw uh, in Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of a short story, but, um, so I was, this is in either probably late 2003, early 2004. And we were, we we're in basically right outside of Fallujah, Iraq, which was the baddest place on the planet at the time. And <clears throat> we were, where our, you know, our FOB, our, you know, our base was, uh, was set up. It was basically, we were basically due west of Baghdad, maybe, I don't know, as a crow flies, maybe like 20 miles or so. It's not very far. Uh, anyway, one night I was, uh, you know, I was in the building, you know, working in our office essentially, and I uh, stepped outside and we didn't have, you know, we didn't have like indoor toilets. It was all porta johns, just rows, you know, row of porta, blue porta johns down along this uh, wall around our compound. And 
I walked outside. It's maybe, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night. And I, and I looked up for whatever reason, I looked up and of course, now keep in mind it's, it's dark out and, but there's a lot of stars and I look up and there's a, one of those triangles. It's got, you know, a white point of light on each corner. It didn't have the light, like a red light in the middle, like you hear, uh, um, reported a lot of times and it's going due West, like directly towards town. And I can see it cause it's blocking the stars out. And, uh, I look at it for maybe like two seconds and then it just, it blacked its lights out. I could still see it, but you didn't see the lights. Now, if it hadn't had the lights on it, I probably never would have saw it. And it just cruised on towards, you know, towards the city. And I thought to myself, well, I guess the black triangles are ours, you know, cause it, to me, it seemed like it was a military aircraft. Um, I don't have anything to base that on other than it didn't have any business being there unless it was, you know, some kind of military thing. And I really couldn't get a, you know, a sense of size about it, but, um, just, you know, guessing, uh, guessing and kind of, uh, you know, analyzing it over, over time, I would say it was probably around the size of something like a, you know, a medium sized aircraft, like a C-130 or something like that. Um, of course there was no way to tell, you know, what the altitude was. If it was, if it was really big and at a high altitude, it might appear the same, but it really wasn't moving very fast. I mean, it was moving with purpose, but it wasn't like, like a, like a, uh, a smaller aircraft at a low altitude will, you know, if you look up and it goes over, it's moving pretty quick. Uh, you know, it, your perce your perception of its speed, but if it was at really high altitude, it would look like it was just barely crawling. So this thing, you know, passed over me within, you know, just a couple of seconds and, uh, and then disappeared. But so anyway, I, I kind of, kind of lost the thread there about what I was talking about. But anyway, my idea was it was a military aircraft and it was, you know, not, you know, five football fields across or anything. It was, you know, some normal aircraft size. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you about, too, if you thought it was military. Now, uh, is it possible, and you would know more than I would, I mean, is it possible that it could have been Iraqi military? I mean, obviously, uh, it's a possibility that it's ours, right? But I didn't know what their technology was. No, they didn't. I mean, they had some, <clears throat> at one time, you know, Saddam Hussein, they had some fighter aircraft, like some older uh MIGs and that kind of thing, but they didn't have anything, uh, any, anything approaching this. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> I'd never personally seen anything like that at all. And I've seen, you know, almost all the aircraft that the military has, including drones. Um, now the only thing, you know, people ask me if it made a noise. The problem is, is like all our power ran off generators. So there was a generator nearby and that was, you know, that was, uh, that was drowning out probably any, any possible noise. Now, if it was low and it was really a jet-powered aircraft, I would have heard the, you know, I probably would have heard the jet engine because we saw jet, air, you know, fighter aircraft all the time, uh, you know, doing strafes and you know, attacks on targets and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it was a war zone. So, um, those things are pretty, pretty loud. But uh, if it had a, you know, if it was anything less than that noise, it was drowned out by the generator. I got you. Yeah, man, interesting stuff. And it, listen, what you just laid out in this episode is really just. Um, showing what we talk about in this show, which is reality is far stranger than fiction. It's what we started out talking the show about. I mean, it's just re when you if you think the reality that you perceive is all that there is, uh, you're living a boring life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even if you don't experience anything, I can tell you there is a lot more to this reality than what than what we understand. And, you know, all this stuff, we don't even know what what any of this even means or what it 
you know, what's the larger context of it? We don't, and we don't know, but we have a place in it, but you know, what is it? You know, we, I mean, it's just a, it's unknown. It's a, like I said before, it's, these are normal parts of the universe, but we just don't understand what they are. Absolutely. Uh, before we get out of here, I want you to give a shout out again to the podcast and all and where people can find it. Oh, yeah. So uh, it's a Seven Ages audio journal. It's on all the podcatchers, iTunes, um, all of that. Uh, our website is uh, sevenages.org. And we're on Facebook, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so if you're interested in science and history and, and that kind of thing, uh, check us out. All right, let's take a second and talk about our sponsor for this week. It's a returning sponsor, HelloFresh, and hello to 14 free meals. I'm supposed to save that for the end, but I'm going to tell you straight up right now. Go to HelloFresh.com slash confessionals14 and use code confessionals14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. Listen, that's a deal that I was excited about before when they were offering 12 free meals, and now they're offering 14. This stuff is so good. I am so excited to get 14 free meals, and you should be too. Quick and easy meals, 15 to 20-minute dinners, and even breakfast on the go. And listen, with HelloFresh, it's 28% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store and 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal and they are better. I promise you, the flavor will melt in your mouth. They have something for everybody there. They offer the flexibility you need with their app. So if you need to change your delivery day, food preferences, meal plan size, or even skip a week whenever you need to, go on the app and change it right there. It's so easy and flexible. I'm telling you, HelloFresh is doing you a solid because they're offering great stuff and you're getting 14 free meals. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash Confessionals14 and use code Confessionals14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. Let me just say it again. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Confessionals14 and use the code Confessionals14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. I don't need to say anything other than that. That alone should get you moving to HelloFresh to get your 14 free meals. Go right now. All right, today we got Mike from the Dark Podcast. How you doing, man? Doing well, Tony. How about you? I'm doing good. So let me uh, rephrase that because it might mess people up. Your podcast is called From the Dark. You're not Mike from the Dark Podcast, but the podcast itself is called From the Dark, right? That is correct. From the Dark Podcast. Yeah. So what do we talk about on that show? Anything and everything paranormal. If it's weird, we want to hear about it. Kind of like this show then. A lot like this show. It awesome. was, your show was very much an inspiration. Well, I'm glad. And, uh, dude, I appreciate you uh, saying that and uh, starting up another podcast. I think that's always a good thing for people to have uh, variety to listen to. So I always encourage people to try starting their own podcast and stuff. Um, and uh, I'm glad you're doing it, man. And we were just talking about some equipment and stuff. And I'll, I'll tell everybody, man, you operate with the Roadcaster, man. And I, I remember when that thing first came out and I was like, oh, that's sweet. But... I don't need it, so it's probably not a good idea to buy, but I'm glad that you're using it because it looks real sweet. Yeah, it's phenomenal. 
it's absolutely idiot proof. <laughs> well, then it'd be great for me. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so you got paranormal experiences and I guess your paranormal experiences, uh, kind of help aid you in the idea of starting a paranormal podcast, right? Uh, they really did. Um, because growing up as a typical child, you know, I was afraid of the dark and everything that, <laughs> that was in, in said dark. Um, and I forced myself into embracing what I thought was scary so that I could deal with it. And then it, over the years, it just became a passion. And during that is when I had some, some experiences back in the early two thousands. And that's what I'm here to talk about. Awesome, man. Yeah. A lot of times people's uh, personal experiences really kind of push them off into a life course of some direction, you know, and uh, it's just, it's one of those things where I like, I really mean it. I say it a lot on the show, but your life experiences are going to dictate how you view life and how you go about it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where I think most people who have these kind of podcasts and stuff, it stems a lot from their own personal experiences. Absolutely. So you have um, these paranormal experiences that you went through, and it was, I think the majority of it was living in a single home that had a lot of crazy stuff, right? That is correct. Um, this particular house had so many different elements going on in it. It was hard to differentiate one from another sometimes because there would be so many different things going on at one time. My my wife and I at that time had been separated, and we had sold our home, and she had moved into this house she was renting. Well, her and I reconciled our relationship, and I moved into this home. Well, for the first several weeks to even months, Nothing really in particular happened. There were some weird elements about the home. The uh, The landlord collected hearses. So my backyard was completely full of old hearses. Dozens of them. That was weird. But, you know, nothing strange or anything happened with that that I knew of. It was just an odd element to the home. And then the home had a drive-in carport. Well, on one side of it, it had a retaining wall that was damaged. So the landlord was having this retaining wall replaced. And I happened to be home that day, and I'm just outside observing. And as they take this wall down, it's about five foot high, maybe six foot at the highest point, and tapers down to nothing. You can see underneath the concrete pad of the carport, like what they used for backfill were cars. There were crushed cars under this carport. And I thought, man, that's freaking weird. You know, why would somebody do that? Why wouldn't you use fill dirt? You know, did you just have these cars laying around? 
And it was just weird things like that. I'm like, all right, something's just not normal about this place. And then one night we had gone to bed. And I I don't know how to describe what this entity was other than saying that it was demonic. It may not have been, but to me it felt that way. And I was laying in bed, dead asleep. And I've tried to go over this in my mind a thousand times. Um, of, you know, was it sleep paralysis? Um, you know, things of that nature. And, and I don't really think it was because, I mean, I could absolutely move. Um, I didn't have any of those, you know, typical sleep paralysis signs. But I remember having this really, really strange feeling. And I, I was awake, but I had not yet opened my eyes. And then when I did, this entity, it was female, was hovering over the bed, probably 18, 24 inches off of my face. And it was completely horizontal to me. And the best way that I know how to describe how it looked if you've ever seen the original Ghostbusters, the lady in the library, that ghost in the library is how this thing looked to me. Very skeletal face. She was wearing a black flowing gown of some sort. And you could see it actually it was like, you know, air was blowing on, it was flowing. And her face was almost red. It was like a, I don't know, it was like a weird red and black mixture. It was very dark, but you could see very skeletal features. And she had long flowing hair which was also black. And in just that few seconds of me thinking, what in the hell am I looking at? Started to feel this immense radiating heat come from this entity. I mean, like, I don't know if you've ever been in a tanning bed, but I mean, it was like that. When the tanning bed first comes on, it was like that kind of heat over my entire body and it just felt like it was getting more and more intense. And I remember I, I turned my head to look at my wife to see if she was awake or what. She was sound asleep. I didn't try to wake her. And then as I rolled my head back over to look the noise that this thing emitted, I don't really know how to describe it. It was the most ear-piercing, shrill, 
it wasn't a scream. It was like almost a siren sound. But I remember, I mean, like immediately reached up and grabbed my ears to try to like protect myself. It was so loud and so high pitched that, you know, it literally made you feel like your ears were bleeding. And at that time, I did shut my eyes and, you know, just clenched up. And then I felt the heat go away. And at that time, I opened my eyes and it was gone. I got up and went to the kitchen, get a glass of water, and try to figure out what the heck was going on. I regained my composure and I go to the living room to sleep on the couch. I then spent probably the next six weeks on that couch. I would not go back to sleep in that room. I could not force myself to go lay in that bed. That was just the beginning of several things that started occurring over the next several months. The, uh, the next thing I remember was I was, the laundry room in this house was down in the basement. And I was going down to do laundry. And it's a typical unfinished basement with just your socket and light bulb, no fixture of any kind. And it's an L-shaped house, and so the lights followed the shape of the house. And as I was going down the stairs, as I walked under each light bulb, they exploded. Like in complete synchronicity with me being under it, they would pop. Until I finally made it to the end where the laundry room was. And by that point, there is no light. So being the big, strong man I was, I did like anybody would, and I got the hell out of there. The next occurrence was in the same area of the basement. I had gone down to just get something out of the basement. And over in the corner, I had a weight bench and um, a heavy bag and things of that nature. Well, this was a 100-pound heavy bag that I had hanging up. And that thing was swinging from side to side so violently that it would cause slack in the chain from where it would get up so high and then fall back down and then go to the other side and do it again. Just over and over. And I watched it for a good 10 or 15 seconds. And I thought, you know, I, I don't know what's happening here in this house. So I start discussing things with my wife. She did not witness any of these particular things, but she did believe me when I told her, you know, what was going on in the home. 
we were very active in church, and so we had a uh, we had a small group in our church that would come to our home, and we would rotate different people's houses where we did meet. But we we discussed it and we took it to the church, and so our small group decided to come into the home and to try to do a blessing on the home. Um, you know, anoint with oils and, and the crosses over the door. And, you know, we prayed and, well, everything seemed to be going fairly smoothly. And I'm in the back of the line as the group is going down the hallway. And at the very end of the hallway was the door that went to what was our bedroom. I'm in the back of the line and I can see, you know, there's probably, I don't remember now, six to eight people in front of me. And the leader of the group went to cross into what was our bedroom. And something knocked this man off his feet and probably slid him about eight feet back down the hallway into the next person in line. Never saw anything. It was just as he went to cross into the threshold, into the bedroom. They then decided it's time to go. This is, you know, more than they know what to do with. So over the next few weeks, I mean, this is, it is, all this has just absolutely consumed me in thinking of what is going on in this home. And I just over and over thinking about what could be causing this. And I remember being at work and a thought came into my head about a table that was in my basement. This table was given to me from my grandmother. And I don't, at the time, I didn't know why I thought about that particular table. But then I started thinking about the story behind the table that she told me. The tabletop on this was made from the hatch of a slave ship. And I just had it stored in the basement. And I don't know if it was you know, a God thing or what it was that that brought it to light for me to get rid of that table. So I called the small group from church and I told them, you know, the, uh, the epiphany, whatever you want to call it, that I had had about this table. So they came over and we burned this table 
got rid of the the remnants. Everything made sure there was you know nothing left. And Tony, we literally we never had another occurrence in that home. So I I don't know if every if whatever it was something was tied to this object. Um, I honestly I don't know, but I do know that it stopped. Everything stopped. That's interesting. It, it almost makes you feel like, well, let me ask you this: the first experience you had with the woman over your bed, I'm mm-hmm. assuming it. That person, you could could you tell the race? I mean, do you do you think it could have been like a former slave or something? I I couldn't I couldn't tell a race. It was too skeletal looking. It I I just I could tell it was female, but that's it. I got you. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because uh, you and the tabletop was made out of uh, what was it a, a a chest or something? How did that work out from the slave? It, it was a hatch that went like to a lower deck. It still even had like this recessed handle on it, like that you would hold the handle and lift it up, you know, to go down below. And that's what my grandmother told me it was, was a hatch from a slave ship. How she knew that, I don't know. I don't know where it came from or who made it into a table. Man, that's interesting. It really is interesting. I, Because I, I, I would love to be able to try to, connect the dots as to what was what it was about that. Cause I mean, if it was, I don't know, something that was owned by slaves, cause I mean, a slave ship isn't owned by slaves. It, it transports slaves. I mean, they didn't own anything. Right. Um, it, it just makes you wonder. Cause I mean, if it was owned by slaves or something like that, it makes you wonder, you know, what, how am I trying to say this? Um, you don't know what the spiritual, practices were of the slaves that were taken from whatever country the ship was, you know, transporting. I, I automatically, when I say slave, I think Africa, but we know that slaves are all over the world. Well, maybe people don't know there are, there's slavery all over the world, not just Africa, right. Uh, to this day. Right. Um, but, um, it just makes you wonder if there was some kind of spiritual practices going on that, that were attached to that, to that ship. it, It seems like. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I really, I don't even have an educated guess. Um, but the events were so different, like from what I'd say was the demonic presence to just, you know, weird poltergeist activity. Uh, and one thing I didn't mention, like it, <clears throat> my my children were small then, and it did affect them in a way that was, that was odd because they started becoming like really mean to each other. And, you know, part of it may have been age, but I mean, this was, it was different. It wasn't just like a sibling rivalry or thing. They, I mean, you know, they were doing like, you know, mean things to each other and like, that's not like them at all. So it, it affected everybody in some sort of way. Well, and I forgot this also that my wife at the time, she did have an event there in that same bedroom. Uh, I believe I had already gone to work and hers seemed like more of a, a sleep paralysis nature um, with, you know, the something coming in 
and uh, you know the sitting on your chest feeling can't breathe can't speak can't move um she did have that happen during this time also but whatever it was and it just it seemed like multiple things it doesn't seem like it was all just the same thing going on. And that's just a personal feeling I have of the way the events happened. It seemed like there were multiple things happening, you know, from multiple entities or, or what, what have you. Yeah. That's interesting. That's really interesting, man. I want to know more. I want to know more. (laughs) Oh man. Well, we, we, we soon after that, we did vacate that house, even though nothing had, had happened in, you know, quite some time, it just never gave you that, that warm and fuzzy feeling that a home should. It was, um, man, it, it was bad. Like I said, you know, a grown ass man, I won't even go sleep in my bedroom. I'm so afraid. And and I forget the timeline. I'm sure you know, my ex-wife would tell you, but it was a long time that I slept on that couch. It left her in the bedroom. I'm sure she loved so, you for that. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so um, you, you mentioned about the sleep paralysis. Did Was the sleep paralysis happening during that first experience? It With her, it was after. It was probably a month after that it happened to her. Um. And that was just based on, you know, the story that she told me after um, getting home from work that day, what had happened to her early that morning. And, you know, the way she described it was, you know, like something sitting on her, I guess, you know, like the old hag or or whatever people call it from the uh, sleep paralysis standpoint. Um, But she never saw anything that I'm aware of. If she did, she never mentioned it to me. But. Um, I do recall she said she was finally able to utter the words Jesus, and then it stopped. Well, isn't that a common scenario, isn't it? It is. Yep. I uh, I have people that message me, or you know, I just had it happen a couple of days ago. Somebody said that their friend was going through heavy demonic, uh, heavily demonic stuff in their home, or their child was, or something like that. And, um, do you have, do you have anything to help us? I'm like, the only thing I can tell you that I actually have faith in is, uh, crying out for the name of Jesus. It seems like it works for people who Mm -hmm. are Christians and who are not Christians. It it seems to work for everybody. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. That would be the only advice that I had for anybody. Uh, I mean, just truly, I, I don't know any other answer personally. I just don't. I'm a podcaster, not a ghostbuster. You know what I mean? So, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't have all the answers. No, I don't. And, and I don't want all the answers to be honest with you. I, I find life more fascinating when I'm seeking for truth and answers. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I, I, I wish I could, you know, have a, the magical answer for everybody to fit their, you know, desired, um, how do I say worldview, you know, but cause I know sometimes I'd say to people and they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Um, but uh, talking about the guy who got thrown from the church, um, mm-hmm. one, 
I mean, that had to be so surreal seeing that, right? I mean, that that had to be like bonkers. I mean, to me, it seems like it takes everything you've been experiencing and putting it on another level. Right. And, and, and it was, you know, it was one of those that nobody else had visually experienced anything other than me until that day. And then like there was an entire group of people that witnessed it. Um, and like, so we didn't see anything, but I was in the back of the line. And if the guy that was leading did see anything, he didn't say it. And I didn't ask probably should have, but they knew everything that had been going on. And to watch a grown man, you know, six foot tall, be lifted off his feet and thrown back down a hallway, you know, you wonder, like, about everything at that point. You're like, you know, is this reality? What is happening? There's so much that goes through your head about, you know, what you thought you knew about life. And it all comes to, you know, a screeching halt when when you see something like that happen. But it literally, it wouldn't let him walk in the door. And that was the whole point was to get to that bedroom. And it would not let us in that bedroom. Wow. That's interesting. It reminds me of a story that my professor told me back in college. Um, I've said it before on the show about how I've had some experiences in, in college where I, I saw what to me looked like two eyes looking at me through a window, um, my blinds being pulled back on my window in the dorm room. And I was I was living pretty a freaked out life for a few days there, if not weeks. And um, I, I got to the point where I, I reached out to a professor at the college and I don't know why I reached out to him. He wasn't my professor at the time. I'd never had a conversation with a man before in my life, but I, I went into his office and we sat down and talked about what I was going through. And uh, he shared with me some like one because he wanted to assure me that I'm not crazy and these kind of things do happen. And he started sharing with me some of his experiences and stuff. Uh, and before he was a professor, he was a, a pastor of a church. And um, there was, uh, and I forget all the details, but there was a guy outside the church um, where they they were leading worship, and I think he was leading worship that Sunday or whatever whatever day it was. And um, somebody came into the church and walked up on onto you know the stage, and and, and literally pretty much stopped worship to wh- like whisper in his ear. And they told him that there's somebody outside the church that needs his attention immediately. And um, he goes out, and there's a crowd uh, forming around the church. And this guy is uh, possessed, like he, he's demonically possessed. And from what he was told is that this guy tried coming into the church. And every time he went to go through the door, it was like he was just thrown back. He was like knocked back. He couldn't, he just couldn't answer, uh, couldn't enter the church. And um, he, he told me how, like he told the the crowd to kind of disperse and to go away. Uh, and he just had himself and a couple other people there with him. And, and you know, he exercised uh, the demon. And, uh, but it just reminded me of that story. Cause I, I've heard things like that before where people are trying to enter through a doorway and, it, and whatever it is, is not letting them. What in your scenario, it seems like there's something there, not letting people enter, but this guy, he had something in him that was not letting him enter this church. Right. And the one thing that I did not mention, um, 
this table that was in the basement. It was direct. It was stored directly under our bedroom. Oh wow! And I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. But if you went through the bedroom floor, you would have been where this table sat in our basement. At what point did you get that table? You know, I tried to remember that before we uh, started talking, but it's one of those things since her and I had been separated for, I think it was about six months. I can't remember when I moved the table into the house um, because I slowly moved my things into that home. And I can't, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I can't remember if I had gone up to my grandmother's and she gave it to me after that. I believe that's the case, what happened, because I can't remember having it stored anywhere before that. And I think I had just gone up there some point after I moved into this home and brought it into the house. And apparently that's what this object had something to do with it because nothing had happened before. It was just a, kind of a creepy house with a bunch of hearses in the backyard, but nothing had happened. <laughs> yeah, the, the hearses definitely is is creepy. And, and you mentioning about the car parts, uh, what, making up the foundation or something like that? Yeah, the foundation to the carport. It was, there was cars under there. And I mean, like, who does that? I don't know. That's weird. That's weird. It doesn't seem like a very um, uh, efficient way to to engineer a foundation. So, no, no, uh, absolutely not. No. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely be creeped out. Now, um, you, and you didn't say this on the show, I'm sure you, you probably don't care, but you work at a cemetery, right? I mean, you engrave tombstones. That is correct. That is, that is what I do for a living. I work for a, uh, a national cemetery and I engrave uh, tombstones for veterans who have served our country. And were you working there when this was happening? No, I was not. I have actually only been doing this job for about a month now. So I have just started into this. So I don't have any good cemetery stories yet. Oh, I'm sure they're coming. Oh, I'm I'm sure. Uh, I, my money is on your first experience seeing a soldier. So, <laughs> you know, uh, the odds are great. Yeah. Yes. So, it, you know... And I do keep my eyes open when I leave at night, and it's dark, and it's a really long way to the entrance of the cemetery. And, you know, I just look. I, You know, that part of me wants to see something, but nothing yet. So your grandmother, did anybody ever talk about, or did she ever talk about having experiences and stuff that maybe would point to the table? No. Um, I tried to think back on that also, and I don't remember anything ever ever being said about it. I remember the table sitting at her house and it sat outside on a covered porch area and she always had plants sitting on it. And it sat out there I, basically my entire life. I walked by that table and I mean, never anything that I can remember as a child ever happening but when she gave me that table is when she told me the story. And I don't, conspiracy 
whatever, but I don't know if talking about it did something. I, I mean, I really don't know. I've tried to think of every avenue of why she would not have any issues, but yet I did. And there again, Tony, I don't know if it was the table or not, but I just know that everything stopped when we destroyed the table. Well, maybe there was a reason why she had it on the outside of the house. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. And maybe she just didn't want to tell me. Yeah. Well, maybe she did. Maybe she told you the history of it thinking, okay, well, uh, this is about as far as I'm going to go because I don't want any juju on me. So I'm going to tell you the history of the table and there's a reason why it's outside the house. You'll connect the dots if something happens. Good luck, son. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, I never <laughs> thought about that. Yeah, if I could go back and talk to her now and be like, wait a minute. Yeah. Cause I mean, the activity starts up in your life when you take the table and it ends when you get rid of the table. So it does seem, especially with the thought of the table popping in your head kind of thing, it's just like a light bulb went on, uh, almost like mm -hmm. something was pointing you in that direction, whether God or just, you know, intuition or whatever. Right. Yeah. And it was exactly like that. I mean, it just came to mind one day and I was like, why in the world am I thinking about that table? And so it, it was only maybe a day after I even had that thought before we destroyed the table. Oh, wow. You acted fast. Yeah. Did, yeah. You, did you say you brought the church people over again to burn the table or did you do it by yourself? Yeah, I brought them over. Uh, it wasn't the whole group that, that came the first time, um, but two of them came and uh, took part of that with me. And, uh, you know, we went back into the home and, you know, prayed over the house again and um, literally not one event ever happened again nothing yeah i imagine the person who got thrown didn't come over yeah no he did not <laughs> i can imagine he was not he was not one of the two you got i forget how you phrased it but uh you, you when you were telling that story you mentioned about how like they left afterwards it was almost like they like they uh they weren't ready to handle something like that uh and, and right I do find it interesting because I think that's a, that's the case with a lot of people. Uh, they, uh, again, this is just me speaking, not you, but um, the, the American culture in Christianity is very uh, fluffy these days and, and uh, lots of feel goods, you know, like, Oh, you know, the three points on how to follow Jesus closer this week, just like last week. And uh, there's no real teaching right. on how to deal with the spiritual realm. So people, who even believe in the spiritual realm, which a lot of these people, they say they do, but they don't really believe it in the way that it, it really kind of exists. Um, they, they, uh, they get smacked in the face with that kind of stuff. And they're like, what the heck? I'm not ready for this. <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. And that's exactly what I think happened was, you know, they did believe and they knew something was going on there or they wouldn't have been there to try to help us. But I don't think anybody expected what happened to happen it's, and it was a real big reality check yeah it it reminds me of the uh the movie oh man it came out when i was a kid casper the friendly ghost and they have mm -hmm. the priest going to into the house to exercise and he comes running out and he's like no not happening i forget what the line was that he said and stuff but uh it, it reminds me of that it's just like yeah you think you're ready but you know i think very yeah. few are you know it's it's one of those things where you, you could say you, you believe in things until it's like in your face. And it's like, whoa, 
that's a little bit more real than I thought. You know, I mean, it throws you, you know, it's, it's literally physically throwing you. So it's a, it's a problem. Yeah. So, um, your mom, tell us about this story with your mom, because, uh, you mentioned about her coming to visit you, uh, post death. Okay. Um, this happened, uh, I'm going to say a year or so prior to the last event. We were in a, a different home that we owned. Um, middle of the night, I get up, I'm not feeling well. And I remember I'm going to the kitchen to, you know, find some like Pepto-Bismol or something because just really not feeling good. And as I come down the hallway, at the end of the hallway, it splits into the left is the living room, to the right is the kitchen. Well, as I go to turn right into the kitchen, I glance over into the living room and I see my mother. At this point, she had been gone somewhere around four to five years. And I never had any any kind of experience since her death. And I remember I just stood there staring at her, trying to figure out if I was really seeing what I was seeing. And she was just standing in the middle of the living room. And I couldn't think of anything to say or anything to do. So she finally says, aren't you going to say anything? And what I come back with is, yeah, you're dead. And I remember she laughed and she said, I know. And then I just kept standing there. Just. I guess awestruck. I didn't know what to do. And I said, why are you here? And she said, I'm here for the funeral. Well, that didn't sit well. I didn't want to know whose funeral. I wasn't going to ask. I wanted nothing to do with it. And so I changed the subject. And I said, I have kids now. And she said, son, I knew those kids before they were born. And I can remember this conversation like it happened this morning. I mean, word for word, everything that was said. And I got very, I guess, scared, even though it's my own mother and there was nothing scary going on. And I remember saying, I really don't feel good. I need to get some medicine and go back to bed. And she said, well, aren't you going to give me a hug? And Tony, I've... Um, I walked up to her 
and I mean, I gave her a physical hug. I mean, there was, there was a body there. There was a, you know what I'm saying? It, it was not an apparition. It was a very physical hug that lasted, I don't know, 10 or 15 seconds. And I said, I love you. And I turned around and I walked toward the kitchen. And when I came out of the kitchen, she was gone. I was very shaken because I didn't understand what had just happened. And the whole funeral thing was really weighing on me. So I laid there most of the night praying and just wondering, you know, God, why, what just happened here? Why, why? So the next day I'm at work and I'm telling my boss, who was a pastor, I'm telling him about it. And he said, well, do you have any idea who you think it might be she's talking about? And at the time, my grandfather was in the hospital, very ill. And I said, it's got to be him. He said, well, it, it probably is. And so later that evening, I'm telling my father about it. And he said, my grandfather's name was Doug. He said, do you, do you think it's Doug? And I said, Dad, it, you know, it's got to be. But who else would it be? So the next day comes, and we get the phone call that my cousin has passed away. She had had cancer. She had been sick. Um, but we weren't really expecting her to die quite so soon. So, of course, I, you know, I tell my boss and I tell my dad, you know, what had just happened. And, you know, of course they believe me in, in, in my story. Um, but man, it was, that was the most surreal thing that has ever happened to me. And I remember standing at the funeral um, and there was a gentleman, this was up in the hills of North Carolina is where my cousin was buried. And, they had a gentleman playing Amazing Grace on the bagpipes off on another hill. And he turned and walked away from that hill still playing, and, you know, it faded out. And I remember my dad saying, do you see your mom anywhere? And I didn't. I never saw her. But, you know, I knew she was there. I mean, she had to be because she told me that's why she was here. Even though I never saw any sign of her being there. Um, I mean, she just had to be because everything she had said just had just played out days later. So there's that. Wow. That's, 
that that well, that's a really emotional story because I could hear it in your voice about recalling you know this experience of seeing your mom and you know when you relayed that to other people did they all believe you right off the bat or did some people kind of question your story? You know, I don't think anybody questioned that story. I really don't feel like they did. Um, now the other story, the few people that I have told, kind of give you a slant-headed look like, mm, okay. But that one, it seemed like everyone uh, did believe me. And it's, you know, it's it's a hard story to tell just because, you know, it's your, you know, it's your mother. And, uh, but I am grateful that it happened and I had that experience because I mean, we have our beliefs as Christians, you know, of life after death. And, but I guess part of you always wonders. And, you know, I knew she was fine. I knew she was good. And by the things that she said, I knew that, you know, she had been watching over my life. She knew the things that were going on. So that did give me, you know, comfort that there was still a connection there, even after death, that my mom's still a part of my life, actively, actually. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. So when you had the experience initially, I know, obviously, it was real to you because it was like you hugged her for like 10, 15 seconds. It was a physical hug. Uh Right. You said, mentioned that you woke up, you weren't feeling good, things like that. Did you ever question yourself afterwards, thinking about yourself, like, were you just really not feeling good and you, you kind of hallucinated it or what? I mean, did you ever question the experience or was it just so real to you that it's just like beyond a shadow of doubt that happened? You never kind of wavered from the idea of it. I did initially question myself um, that night, like the first few hours as I laid there. And then... You know, it it just kind of came to me, I guess, that, you know, no, that that really happened. That there's no question about it. You know, I tried to justify it in some kind of way. Because that was, I mean, that was the first, like, experience of any kind I've ever had like that. Ever. And so I did try to rationalize or you know, justify things, but that, you know, all I know to say, Tony, is what happened, happened. And, you know, she said she was there for the funeral and turns out she was. And you, you mentioned about your, your Christian faith and things like that. I mean, did it ever kind of, uh, make you question things as far as like what you previously believed was possible? Because I mean, a lot of times, you know, especially as Christians, you believe certain things with the spiritual realm and other things you literally believe is impossible because you believe you interpret the Bible a certain way that it's like excludes that for a possibility of like a loved one coming back to visit you. Uh, did it ever kind of reshape the way you view these kind of things? Or did you already believe that those kind of things were possible going into that experience? I did believe that those kind of things were possible. I had never experienced anything, but I just always had a belief that they were. Um, I had no proof, you know, it was just a feeling. And so, you know, I had heard other people's accounts and stories, but until you have one of your own, 
you know, it's one of those, like, what do they say? Uh, you don't believe until you do, but you know, it, it, it was all just very, very surreal. And it, it didn't change my faith in any way, shape or form. Um, it almost gave me hope. It was, yeah, it, I would say that, you know, it, it gave me hope and probably even drew me closer to God at that point. Because I was, you know, grateful that I got to, you know, experience that, and you know, actually thank God for it. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from on that. I mean, uh, I, I fully don't expect this to ever happen to me. But I mean, if the idea of my grandfather coming back and having that kind of encounter with him, man, I would I would be just as emotional about it as you. Uh, it, it's it's something that I, I mean, I, I I can't even express how deeply I miss that man in my life. And um, the looking back on my life with the regret of not putting the time in with him that I, I, I could have having him around, you know, um, it, it just if I could have an experience like you had with him. I would be all for it. But it, on the other side of it as well as like if I had to make the call on it and if like God came to me and said, do you want to see your grandfather or not uh, with what I believe heaven is? <laughs> I think I'd be doing him a disservice pulling him from that to even have a second with me. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So, I mean, fortunately for you, you didn't have to make a decision like that. Your mom uh, was there, I guess, willingly, unless, you know, maybe there's, I don't know how it all works on that. And maybe, you know, God allowed the certain situation to happen or it was, I don't know how all that works, but it's, it's really interesting, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was an eye opener um, for me that, you know, that there's more to this thing than what we uh, than what we realize. There's more going on around us than than we may initially perceive as reality. Yeah, and I know not every show is the same as far as like I mean, episode is the same, but like hearing stories like yours and you know just different things that I I pick up from other people or my own personal experiences, I tend to get a lot of. Um, that I I gain a lot from people's experiences like that, like faith builders, you know, like there is a, there is something on the other side of this. Cause I mean, sometimes when you're by yourself and you're just thinking about what is life, what is reality? What, why are we here? All that stuff. Uh, you start wondering like, what if I'm freaking wrong? Like what if there, there really is no God and there really is no afterlife. There is no spirits. It's just, um, I, you know, and you start running through your head, like, you know, well, how is that possible with all these people's experiences? And you just start thinking about that stuff though. But hearing people's stories is exactly what for me builds my faith up in the fact that there is another realm and there is another life after this one and, um, you know, live accordingly. Right. Absolutely. I am 100% with you on that. I, I've, you know, until then, like you said, you know, you hear people's stories and, you know, you, you kind of get them as faith builders. But then once it actually happens to you, it, it it's very comforting in a way.
Today we got Jasmine on the show. Jasmine, how are you? I'm doing good, Tony. Awesome. So Jasmine, before we get into your experiences, let's talk to the people and let them know about your podcast and some of your uh, you know, Netflix deals and things that you're doing there. All right. Yeah. So uh, my podcast is called Sleep Snatchers Podcast. Um, you can find us on any platform uh, and also on Instagram at Sleep Snatchers Podcast. Um, the podcast really focuses on people that have out-of-body experiences, sleep paralysis, lucid dreaming, um, and astral projection. Um, a, a lot of people that come on the show, they either deal with one thing or coupled with several things uh, within that, those categories. Uh, right now, I'm currently trying to get more people to, um, you know, listen and also um, comment or uh, not comment, but email in uh, to talk about their experiences. And I know it's hard because a lot of people are shy, um, but I created this show because it also is something I've experienced. Um, I've been uh, I've been having out of body experiences since I was about three years old. Um, and that that made me really just push it even more. Um, and I am working on a project called uh, Sleep Snatchers, which is actually a show. Um, and I'm creating a, a pitch deck uh, to actually pitch that to um, uh, companies or networks that might want to pick it up. So we can actually uh, get the stories out there on the big screen uh, with descriptions and reenactment. So people that uh, have experienced these stories will talk about their stories and they will be on camera uh, in the interview phase. Uh, and then there will be actors reenacting uh, everything that's going on with them. So yeah. That's really cool. So the project that you're working on, the video project, is also called Sleep Snatchers? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I watched the the trailer here, and it looks really cool. It looks really well done. And uh, I know, uh, it, given the opportunity, it will have a lot of success. Now, I know there's a lot of hoops to jump through to get that opportunity a lot of times, but uh, I think it has a lot of potential on my end as far as what I see. Thank you, Tony. I really hope so. Uh, I definitely want to, I want there to be a movement. I want more people to talk more openly about these out-of-body experiences and astral projection because it's constantly going on around us, whether people are aware of it or not. No, you're absolutely right. And when you were saying the concept of everything, I was like, of your podcast, I was thinking, well, I know exactly why she's doing the podcast because she has these experiences <laughs> as well. And, uh, yep. you know, that that's... I mean, talk about uh, a lucky position you're in where you have the ability to work on these kind of projects and you've also had these kind of experiences. I mean, a lot of times people have these experiences, but they have no way to, you know, turn it into a TV show or something like that. And uh, you're you're one of the lucky few that, you know, you're in a position where, you know, you can make a project like that. And I think that's really cool. I think it's really cool. And I, I hope that people check it out when it comes out. And you know what? When when it does come out, just let me know and I'll give it a shout out and stuff, too, so that people can check it out and, uh, you know, pursue watching it. Wow. Thanks so much, Tony. That means a lot. <laughs> For sure. So now that we got the business out of the way, 
let's talk about your experiences, which started when you were three. You mentioned about how uh, you had the out-of-body experiences, but you've also had other experiences at three years old. So I'm just going to hand it over to you and walk us through your life of these experiences. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so, so I'll start out with saying that I have a very clear, uh, sort of recollection of memories from a very young age, um, very vivid, you know, scenery, um, smells will sort of put me back into memory. Um, and my very first experience with, I guess the spirit world was when I was about three years old and I was sleeping in my mom's room and, you know, it was the middle of the night and, um, I, you know, you sort you ever wake up out of a sleep and it's not groggy at all. You're just awake. Yeah. That's exactly what happened to me. And when I woke up, I was sort of laying on my stomach to the left side of the bed and I wake up and I sort of like move around to face the front of the bed. And in the front of the bed was a black shadow with it looked like it was sitting in a chair, like at my level. Um, <laughs> I I inspected this figure because I, you know, I didn't know fear at that time. I was just curious, you know, and I looked at this black figure and its hair was just perfectly cut off at the neck. You could see the length of the neck, but the hair went to about mid neck and it almost it could have been a cape, but it, you know, I didn't think it would be because you would, it would just be all black going down. Uh, but this, this was just, you know, I was in awe almost at what I was seeing. And my, my next thought was show mom, you know? So I roll to my right side and I'm nudging her and I'm like, mom, there's something, someone sitting at the bottom of the bed. Now this, she, she jumps up because she's like, what are you talking about? Another person? It's just me and you in this house. <laughs> uh, and she jumps up and she looks straight at the bottom of the bed. We look at the bottom of the bed together and the thing, the figure's gone. And that was my very first experience with the, the spirit world. Um, now the crazy thing is, is, you know, I spent a lot of time in this house, but that was my very first experience with with the spirit. Um, and the thing is, is I had never been alone in that house. So that was my very first time, I guess, being alone. Uh, and, and I guess that was the time it wanted to talk to me. <laughs> now, uh, the crazy, uh, experience was I, my mom had always told me that I had a cousin that stopped wanting to come over because, um, after my grandfather died, she thought that she saw my grandfather in the house. Um, now, I'm starting to believe that she saw that black figure that I saw that was sitting at the bottom of the bed. Because um, later on, she stated that when she got up to get water in the middle of the night, it was something sitting in a chair in the living room. So, you know, this this sort of figure sort of like is sitting when it appears to people, Um you know, and we lived across the street from a military base. So I don't know if uh, there was some weird activity going on there. Uh, and it was in Broadview, Illinois. You know, I, I've never um, had the ominous sort of feeling before, but I have later in my life almost felt that presence again. Um, and, you know, we moved out of that house um, probably a, when I was four years old and we went to Georgia. Um, and I would say about two years had passed. Uh, 
and we were settled in Georgia and we had just like my mom moved into a townhome and I was in, I was from moving, transitioning from kindergarten to first grade. And I, you know, hadn't had any more like spirit experiences where I was seeing black figures, uh, but something more different happened. And uh, what would happen was when I would fall asleep, my leg or my arm would lift up into the air. And I was completely unaware of this. Uh, but my mom would tell me, she was like, I caught you with your leg in the air again last night. I just knocked it down, <laughs> you know. And um, during these moments when I'm sleeping uh, and when I would come to like just to wake up to drink water at night, the weight of the limb would come crashing down. So it would just hit the bed, you know, and I never understood what that was. But I always I'd never had a night where I would not have a limb in the air. It was some sort of like, I don't know, it just felt really light to me and I could do it. But um, during those moments, um, you know, like I was just starting to experience my first, uh, you know, like, I guess, experiences into sleep paralysis and out of body experiences, too, uh, because from first grade all the way up into fifth grade, I had an out-of-body experience every morning before school. Um, and the way that this would happen is my mom would always, uh, she would always like let me ease out of bed, you know? So she would sort of like bring me a towel, wash my face, you know, and bring me my toothbrush, brush my teeth, but then I would have to do everything else. But in between those moments, I would fall back to sleep and I would lift up and I would be moving around like I'm getting everything I need like you know and I'm opening drawers and stuff but it was almost like you know I'm not quite clicking properly and so I move out of the room into the little area where I go to wash my face fully and I'd look in the mirror and it would be nothing there and I would snap out of it and wake up fully that's and trippy this, that's yeah, trippy this, <laughs> this happened every morning from first grade to fifth grade. Now that's coupled with me also having the sort of limb floating moments, but the limbs standing up in the air would be at night. Um, and, and then the, the out of body experiences would be in the morning. Um, and, I, I mean, I never like I got chills when I turned, I was 21 years old when I understood what I finally was doing. <laughs> And I got chills um, after that happened. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I I still don't understand what the limbs lifting up in the air is. You know, it's just very strange to me, you know. Yeah, I, I've never I've I don't think I've ever heard somebody talk about having their limbs lift in the air while they sleep like that. And that was a consistent thing for you where your mom's smacking your legs or arms down. And then it's like she walks out of the room and it pops back up. You know, it's like, yeah, she said, I just knocked it down. I don't know what's up with those those arms and legs. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, do you think, man, I wonder if that had something to do with like the out of body experiences, like your body prepping for it. You know, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Not you're not weird. The experience is weird. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's something I just I looked it up. I was like, you know, like arms lifting up when you sleep, legs lifting up when you sleep. There's nothing on the Internet, you know, like there was something about like the crawling leg syndrome. I guess people have like the the nerves crawling sensation uh, when they sort of like 
are falling asleep and it's just uncomfortable. But that was never what it felt like. I almost just didn't feel my extremities, you know? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I I, I would be very interested to hear if uh, somebody listening has a thought on that, because I honestly don't know what to make of that. And maybe it has nothing to do with the out-of-body experiences, but it just thinking, and maybe it's because I'm I'm getting older and my body's getting worn down. I'm thinking, man, that just seems like I wouldn't be able to fall asleep with holding my arm up in the air, you know? I, well, I say that, but I learned this new this trick when I was in high school and it worked pretty good for me. Uh, I, I liked sleeping in class. You know, I wasn't much of a studious person. And so what I would do is I'd, take like my left hand and I just like rest my forehead on it. Like I was reading a paper in front of me and I tapped my finger on the desk and I was able, I was able to get myself to fall asleep while I was still tapping my finger. And so it looked like I was, I was (laughs) like, I was (laughs) reading a book or something, but I was gone until the buzzer went off to change classes. Wow. You know, and see, that's the thing is we can train our bodies, I guess, to do these things. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I, I, I think I had heard somebody else tell me that they did that and stuff. I was like, oh, let me try that. And I, and it didn't work at first, but eventually I was able to do it. I was like, that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but, you know, leading on to another strange experience that had happened in that uh, townhome, uh, my mom had always had this really old, like, machine computer, if you will, like one of those early, early big bulky computers. And it's got the huge tower. Um, and now this tower always emitted a sort of like buzz. Um, and, you know, it never really bothered me. But one night I was dozing off to sleep and I was actually laying next to this computer. Um, the bed was right next to it. And I there, you know, there's dead silence when I'm falling asleep. And I actually experienced, you know, early stages of sleep, uh, sleep paralysis during this time. Uh, So the buzzing sensation came into my ears. But after the buzzing sensation, I tuned into a country music channel, if you will. So I started hearing country music playing in my ears like I'm wearing headphones um, during this particular experience. Um, And as soon as I get out of the sleep paralysis, the music fades. Um, and, and that, that particular moment, uh, sort of struck me as crazy because I felt like I sort of like connected to a wave of the computer, if you will, uh, because the way that the, the, I don't know how to explain this, like going into the sleep paralysis and hearing the vibrations of the sleep paralysis coupled with that little humming ring that the computer gave off. And then the music started. And then once the paralysis was over, the music was gone. And that's exactly how it happened. Jeez. That would have yeah. freaked me out. That would have freaked <laughs> me out. Like, yeah. Were you were you scared in that moment? I, you know, Tony, I was really scared. Um, and and I told my mom, I said, yo, I, like I didn't say yo, but I was like, mom, <laughs> I, I'm hearing music when I go to sleep. And she's like, oh, the angels are singing to you. You know, she she just didn't understand, you know, um, and she she just struck it off as that you know so i w- i haven't really been able up until my adulthood to be able to talk about these experiences and really go back and forth about it but that's exactly what happened like <laughs> i i feel like i really tuned into the radio uh the the computer 
That's interesting. Now, uh, how old were you again for that? I had to be around eight or nine. And did it continue throughout your life or is it kind of something that happened when you were a kid and it doesn't happen anymore? The paralysis or the tuning in? Well, the tuning in specifically, like, do you still hear music at times? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is it always country music? It's like a frequency. No, it's not always country music. It can be, you know, Tony, it can honestly be gospel. It could honestly be R&B. It could be music I've never heard played on the radio here before. Um, and it just sounds amazing. And is and it, is it music that you recognize? Like, have you ever heard a song that you knew? Let me see. Now I have heard a song that I knew and it was, but it also sounded like distant at the same time. Like I didn't know it. It was like the song was mixed with another song, if you will. Man, that's interesting. I find that very fascinating. Yeah, so so that's that's what I experienced. Um, and now when I have sleep paralysis and I hit the vibrational stage, it's you can tune into different frequencies and hear things. Um, and I've learned how to control that. Um, and that that's exactly what I'm under the understanding is when I was a child, I tuned into a certain frequency. And I think because the computer was closest to me, I was picking something up off of it. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's, I mean, I don't know if it's cool, but to me hearing it, it's, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I get chills right now talking about it because it gets more interesting from there. (laughs) All right. Well, take us away. Yeah. um, So, so shortly after um, fifth grade, I entered middle school. Um, Now I was, I was bullied a lot in middle school and I noticed a decline in my experiences. Um, So from about, I would say from about 12 to about 14 years old, my experiences sort of dropped off. Um, And we moved back here to Illinois uh, when I was about 15 years old and I was starting as a sophomore in high school. Um, and when that happened, I, my experiences came back and my limbs started to lift up again, uh, when I would sleep. Um, so this was, you know, sophomore year and, you know, like my mom told me, she was like, cause she, she always does like the night check. She walks around the house and checks on it. You know, she's a single parent. So she would always, you know, make sure the house is secure and everything, uh, in the middle of the night. So, you know, doing her night check, she always would, you know, open the door, make sure I'm good. And she would see my, my leg or my arm in the air again. And she said, you know, you like your arm and your legs are lifting up again. Are you okay? And I'm like, I don't feel anything, you know? And, you know, it, it, it went on for about a month or so, uh, where she, she definitely paid attention to it. Uh, but, I started to have different experiences and we were, we were living in an apartment at the time. Uh, and in this apartment, there was one night in particular where it was eerie, like somebody was doing witchcraft, I believe in the building. That's how eerie it was. Like there was like, it was that sort of awake that I had no grogginess. So I was laying on my back in bed and I felt two points on my toes and two deep points on my shoulders touched like two, like fingers had just poked me deep into my shoulder blades and in my two front big toes. And I, 
wake up and I'm not groggy. And that's what scared me. It made me remember that experience from when I was three. Uh, and so I actually was sweating too. So I don't know where that came from, but in the bathroom, I always had this suction cup razor, like the case that the razor was in was suction cup to the tile. I'd never had any problems with this razor falling off the wall until, uh, this night, then the razor fell and it crashed into the tub. And my mom gets up and she is walking through the house saying something's not right. And I said, what happened? And she had sleep paralysis and someone was over her with like their hair was over her face, if you will. She couldn't see what it was, but it was like grabbing her collar and she had to get out of the sleep paralysis and she was walking around the house. So we had a shared moment during that night. Uh, of whatever energy was in that building. And I was on edge after that because, you know, you could feel that the energy was off. And maybe someone wasn't doing anything, but something had washed through that apartment building. It was really weird. Was that her first time ever having an experience like that? Um, now, no. My mother has had a lot of experiences. She's also felt death on people that have died bef- like after she's felt it. Really? Okay. So you guys are very similar in that sense. Cause I know, I know you said you're an empath. Yeah. 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 That's, that's exactly what it was, you know, but like that was, I think that really alarmed her, uh, having sleep paralysis and something st- sort of standing over your face and you feel their hair brushing against you. You know, uh, she was deeply unnerved by it. Yeah. Uh, I would be too. Yeah. Uh, you know, and later on in that apartment, I had uh, came home from school early and mom was still at work and I took a nap and I actually had sleep paralysis and I woke up and there was a figure in front of me and it was it was a man um, and, and he didn't do anything. He was just standing there. Um, but, you know, I felt like it was just a lot of energy in that apartment. It was a lot of people constantly moving in and out, uh, you know, and I truly feel like apartment buildings, they have a lot of energy because it's just too many people, you know? Yeah. You know, Uh, I never, I never really thought about that before the idea of the energy in the apartment buildings and stuff. Uh, cause I've said it before on my show where the, the, the last apartment we lived in before we bought our house, uh, there, there was definitely, and I never really felt scared, but I knew there was something going on in that apartment and I never really thought about the idea of the number of people that lived around me because I mean it was a big apartment complex, multiple buildings, and I would see shadows walking from either my bedroom into the bathroom, bathroom down the hall, or vice versa. Uh, and I I caught this red light that popped up on camera uh, one night when I was I had like I knew something was going on, and so I was like I I had my wife's laptop and I set it up to record our bedroom while we slept at night and and uh, a red light popped up on the screen wow. probably like 10 minutes into us sleeping and uh that red light has also showed up at our house too over the years so, oh tony that's chills right there yeah, it's nothing it's just a, like it was this really just fast red red light that flashed off and it flashed on and flashed off and i showed her and I uh, never really thought about it again. And I wasn't really into this stuff at that time. I was, you know, doing other stuff. And um, and then she texted me one night when I was doing an interview saying that she saw 
a red light in the bedroom and it, it zipped off and left a light trail. And I was, you know, I was just like, well, you're, you're gonna have to deal with that on your own, babe. I'm working. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, I, about a month or two later, I had the same experience in our bedroom. I was, I was tucking myself in and I had a pile of blankets on my hip and between that pile of blankets, cause I couldn't see, I couldn't see past the pile of blankets. Uh, and my eyeballs was a red dot and I saw it real briefly and then zipped off and left the light trail. I was like, Oh, that little, that little guy, I've seen him before, you know, <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. I haven't seen it since, but, uh, you know, I never really threat felt threatened. I didn't, you know, I don't feel like there's something in my house or anything, but you know, who knows, but I'm so desensitized by hearing everybody else's stories. That I probably, I probably wouldn't know <laughs> something's here, even, even if it was. Right. You'd be like, oh, it's just the air, air ducks. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, that's nothing. Trust me. All the stories that I've heard, this is nothing. Trust me. It ain't even paranormal. It's normal. Man, you know, some crazy stories, you know, yeah. but uh, so, so, uh, you know, right after high school, um, I ended up moving out into my own apartment uh, and I had a roommate um, and, you know, this apartment was, it didn't have any sort of energy to it you know i didn't have any experiences um until this one particular night when i was sleeping and i was in the room by myself and my roommate was actually there there was a lot of nights that she wasn't home uh but this night she was there um and I wake up and I realize, you know, like I'm having a sleep paralysis moment, which is odd because sometimes, uh, well, which is odd because most of the time sleep paralysis doesn't necessarily affect me if I've gone the whole day without a nap uh, and I'm going to sleep. I just go straight to sleep. So I woke up and I thought it was weird. And in my mind, I was just like, okay, wake up, move your toe, move your toe. And out of the left side of my eye two children are standing on the side of my bed with glowing blue eyes like like blue like a light like like their eyes are like led blue lights um scared the shit out of me and i'm standing <laughs> and i'm sitting there and i'm like move your toe move your toe move your toe and it, my fucking toe is not moving and you know the backup toe is not moving. And so I'm literally just like, you know, looking eye to eye with them. And it's so crazy because they look like they were observing me. Like they stepped over from another dimension to see how a regular human sleeps, if you will. Um, they looked like regular children. They, they had blonde hair, uh, regular, they had on now their clothes look like, like like uh older clothes if you will like people from i don't know the early 1900s um like like a vest the girl had on like a a quilted shawl it was weird but they were together and they were staring at me um i stared at them until i fell asleep like i couldn't I couldn't play the game anymore. Like I just, I went to sleep and I woke up and it was morning and they were gone. Wow. You know what I find interesting? Well, I mean, it's interesting that they have blue eyes. I mean, what kids have blue eyes these days, right? So glowing <laughs> blue eyes, just to say, uh, but I find it interesting that when you were telling that story, 
what you described them wearing is what I was picturing in my head. And uh, I don't know why I had that sense that it's old timey clothing like that. But when you started describing what they were wearing, I was like, that's what I was picturing. That's weird. Yeah. That's yeah. Isn't weird. that weird? That's real weird. Yeah. They had on the old clothes ratty, you know, and I was like thinking like, now, now what is this? You know, like I was trying to pinpoint it. They did not talk. They just observed, you know, and, you know, quite frankly, if they did anything else, I might have had a heart attack. <laughs> but, you know, that's it, you know, and it was very frustrating for me because I went to sleep with them standing there and I had no control over it. That's the so you literally. Like you went to sleep with them there. Yeah, I was basically stuck in paralysis while they were observing. Wow. Mm hmm. That's terrifying. Yeah, I told my roommate about it the next day. She giggled. She said, girl, you're crazy. <laughs> uh, do you think that if you had a video camera set up that night that you would have caught them on camera? Or do you think that was something more meant for just you? You know, orbs probably would have showed up their energy. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. I can see that. Yeah, their energy probably definitely would have showed up. It was it was it was very interesting. It, you know, I don't know where they came from, but I want to know. I want to know where they visited from just to check me out sleeping. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shoot, I want to know what they wanted. I mean, yeah, I it's like I've heard the black eyed kids, but tell me about the blue eyed kids, you know? <laughs> I, I looked it up. I said, I, I you know, I got to find out these kids with the glowing blue eyes. You know, I've heard of people with like the milked out white eyes, you know? Yeah. Uh, but never piercing like it's like they're robot eyes, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's like you're waiting for them to shoot beams out of their eyes. Yes, yes, that's exactly what it was. It it was almost like a bioluminescence in the eyes. Interesting. Very interesting. Um yeah, I saged the apartment after that. I I you know, I ended up leaving uh probably a few months after that. Um and you know, my experiences still kept going. Um at this point I was working for uh a yearbook uh, photography studio and I would go to different schools and I would take the yearbook photos, uh, you know, during the kids class periods. So this particular day we had about an hour and a half. So I was like, why not? I'm going to take a nap. I don't have anything else to do, which was the worst decision because once I took my nap, I had sleep paralysis and this form of sleep paralysis was so different because when I came to, I was laying completely on on top of myself like I was looking at myself sleep if, if if that makes any sense I was feeling the breath of my body breathing while I was watching myself um and I could not move I I was stuck in this sort of paralysis for about five minutes and all I could do was watch myself sleep and it freaked me out <laughs> um and I you know, kept trying to get myself out of it. And as soon as I came to, I got sucked back into sleep paralysis and I was laying back on top of myself in the car. Um, and this happened, I battled with myself for about 10 minutes and I pulled myself out of it. And I just stayed awake that whole rest of my break because then again, you know, I don't want to have sleep paralysis again in this car, but it, it was crazy. Um, and it was my first 
ever moment where I'd seen myself sleeping uh, and I could feel the breath of my body on my spirit, if you will. Wow. Do you think that, all right, let me ask you this way. Are you able to control any of your sleep paralysis experiences now, or has it always been just very random for you where you, it just happens. You don't really have that control. Yeah. I, I have been able to control them more now. Um, I'm learning, you know, I've had moments where I've, uh, astral projected and, you know, I've actually done it at will, uh, you know, but sometimes the paralysis, it comes on by itself and there's no way to stop it. Um, like recently I had paralysis in my room, uh, and my mom's, so my mom has a condo now. Um, and so I was in the room and I was asleep, uh, and I had paralysis and I was sort of trying to get myself out of it. And then I hear a voice say, do you need any help? And it's a little girl's voice. Uh, at that moment, I was like, no, I don't need any help. And I wiggled my toe to get out of it. Um, and I've been having quite a few uh, experiences lately with spirits in my room in the condo. Uh, and they they are curious, you know, like um, I, I was laying down last week and I had sleep paralysis and this sort of entity almost was like so long that its face pressed my cheek, but it was coming from the other side of my body. Like it extended over and it freaked me out so bad <laughs> because it was like high when it got to my ear. Um, you know, so I, I think I need to sage the room, you know, um, I actually took a nap right before hopping on the call with you <laughs> and I had a experience Ugh. and someone was saying, how you doing? <laughs> so why you know, don't take right. naps? Don't everyone's take busy in the, you know, I guess spirits want to chat too. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now, why do you think this is happening to you? Like, have you ever thought about that? I mean, and you're not the only person in the world that's had these experiences, but I, I often wonder, I mean, I know there's people who, you know, they they control these experiences in the sense that they, they have astral projection where they do it on purpose. But the people who, you know, it seems like out of their control, it just happens to them. Do you ever wonder why that is? I don't know. I, you know, I feel like maybe the energy is, you can pick up on a higher vibration, if you will, or, or a lower vibration, because sometimes the entities that are bothering me are not nice. You know, like, um, the, the, the girl voice, I don't think that was a little girl at all. Um, and I, it worries me because I don't necessarily want to get stuck in my body. You know, I, I want to move to the next phase, whether it's a lucid dream or sleep or astral projection. Uh, but sometimes it's like a cog in a machine and you get stuck um, on the way out. Um, and then you end up in that vibrational phase and spirits know you're in that vibrational phase. Um, you know, and I, I truly don't know why, you know, and that's why I've just led it to the term of being an empath and being an empath, you're able to pick up on more energy than most people. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I wish there was a more fun answer to that, you know, <laughs> like, <Right? laughs> like, like I'm marked from birth and they come to talk to me because they Man. need me. 
they're they're like what's up (laughs) they're just like yo you want to party right and it's like you can't drink alcohol (laughs) (laughs) um uh so uh this is a very interesting experience because this is um uh almost like a telepathic incident um i was sleeping and this was next to my ex um a few years ago um and i went into sleep paralysis and i was saying help in my head and my ex turns over and they notice i'm having sleep paralysis and when I get out of it, I was like, you know, did you, what What made you turn around? Cause I couldn't even move. And they said, I heard you say help. And I was like, what, <laughs> you know, uh, but they too were sleep at that moment. So I don't know if them being sleep also played a role in that. Wow. You know, cause I mean, so you're saying like, as far as you can tell, you didn't say that out loud. Right. My mouth was not able to move. That's, that's interesting. And that kind of goes into what, uh, Mr. X dreams. We had him on a while ago on the show. Uh, he he's really all about the dreams, and I mean he's about a lot of stuff, but like he really goes in deep on dreams and you know the ability to control dreams and being in this like you know that that other state of mind. Uh, I think I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he believes that when you go into a dream, like you're kind of going into another realm of existence. And he had an experience where he he was in this dream and he saw his sister. And when his sister, his he was leaving the dream and his sister, I think, was coming into the dream. But then like they're talking, they're both awake now. And she's like, I saw you in my dream last night. And he's like, oh, I saw you in my dream, too. And they compared notes. It was the same dream. God. <laughs> it's the same dream Ooh. and so that, like along the lines of what you experience it seems like maybe there was this other there, there's this other plane of existence and he heard you say help in that plane of existence wow trippy right right you know i, it's, I scratch my head every day <laughs> tony <laughs> um now you know fast forward you know to about a year later um, and I'm working on this production. Uh, it's it, the, uh, the show is on Netflix. It's called Cold Justice Crimes. Uh, my friend and I, Rose, we are we're here in Chicago. So my brother is actually in Wisconsin. So we worked something out where we could stay with him for those two weeks of filming. Uh, so the commute was about an hour up to Rhinelander and. You know, it was, you know, we woke up pretty early to make it, but it was worth it, you know, because we had somewhere to stay during the production. Uh, But um, at my brother's house, it wasn't an eerie, weird feeling or anything. Uh, But one particular night, and I'll give you the setup of the living room. So uh, you have one uh, sort of couch that is to the window on the on the right side. And then you have another couch that's on the back wall. So it's almost like an L, but it's a walkway in between. So the couches are separated. Um, So Rose is on the couch that's closer to the window and I'm on the couch next to the wall. And so I've got a straight view of the TV. And uh, during this night, I was awakened with no drowsiness and this is my this is my problem because when when no drowsiness is there that's when i know something is in the room um and so i 
felt the spirit in the room, but I, I wasn't sure if someone was awake, you know? So I laid there and I heard Jasmine and I jumped out of the, I jumped out of my skin. I'm not out of the covers, but my skin. <laughs> and I, I'd run over to my friend Rose. I shake her awake and I said, Rose, did you just say my name? And she's like, what, what? No. And I knew she hadn't said my name, but I just, I needed the comfort of waking her up, you know? Um, and I, someone literally said my name. I go upstairs. I go to see if my brother is awake to see if any of the kids are awake. Nobody is awake. And this prompted me to ask his younger kids. I said, have y'all ever seen any dark, dark shadows? My youngest nephew says there's a black figure that pokes my toe every night. Wow. I told my brother, he said, he said, I'm going to have to look into that. He's not very he's not into this stuff, you know? Um, but I did get him to tell me about one of his experiences when he was younger and he had an astral projection experience. Um, and he felt himself floating out of his body. And he said that he made it through the ceiling and he could see the sky, but he got scared and he ended up back in his body. So I told him, I said, you know, this is happening to me and it could also be happening to your son. And he, he sort of brushed it off, but I'm trying to stay on him because, you know, I, I truly feel like his little son, there, there's some dark shadows in their house, you know, that was in the same, the same way that I saw the dark shadow when I was younger. Wow. 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 Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's crazy, man. It, it, it connects, but it's crazy. Uh, you know, this next story sort of goes back uh, to my mom because I actually had someone, I told this story on the podcast and someone messaged me and told me they saw the exact same thing my mom saw when she was eight years old. Um, so my mom, uh, she basically was around seven or eight years old and, you know, she was, she's a boomer. She was born in the, you know, the fifties, you know, sixties era. So she, they played outside, you know, those kids didn't have much to do inside. So they came inside when the streetlights came on. Um, so she's 62 now and she has never forgotten the story yet. Has she told another story like this? Um, she told me when she was about seven or eight years old, it started to rain and she was outside playing with herself. Cause she was a kid that played alone a lot. And she looked up and there was a seahorse dancing through the rain and this seahorse was also glowing blue. Um, the seahorse noticed her and it started to play with her and it started bouncing around her. And she said that it started bouncing through the trees and doing zigzags and it uh, played around with her. Now, the person <laughs> that messaged me, she explained the seahorse down to a T, except for the color of his skin. The seahorse that she ran into was a gray brown blue color but the seahorse she said played with her in the air and darted around now i told my mom and she was like what <laughs> and i told the girl i said you know my mom is gonna want to you know discuss this with you but the girl was so nervous she didn't even want to get on the phone with me and talk about this and i was like you've left me with all this this information and you don't want to talk to me but yeah. it was crazy yes welcome to podcasting <laughs> <laughs> that's it <laughs> you know, <Nobody. laughs> 
It's like, oh, your story is amazing. Come on the show. I'd rather not. Oh, come on. You know? <laughs> Please I, tell your story. There's a guy who contacted me recently, and he has one of the most uh, amazing. Well, for me, it's amazing. For him, it's traumatic. Dogman mm. experiences I've ever read in an email. And, God. and he he uh he's like you know he's willing to come on the show and talk and stuff i emailed him back and i'm still waiting for him to email me back and i'm just like come on bro come on man like come on i totally get the feeling like when you just it's like oh gosh yes you yes <laughs> but you know it's 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 a really interesting world you know and i truly believe those seahorses are playing from an interdimensional place and i don't know if the rain charged something and they were able to make it through uh but i you know my mother has she does not tell stories like this but she will not forget this story uh and the fact that someone else has reached out to me and they've seen the same thing i'm i need to i need answers <laughs> yes yes we all need answers jasmine we all need right. answers <laughs> right we're all in this together <laughs> um but you know um the the next experience after that i know create like tons of experiences uh but uh after the trip uh of shooting the crime show i get back and i had just moved into my uh studio so i was still unpacking when i got back and i was finally set up i put the couch together and it was midday and i decided that i was gonna take a nap <laughs> why did i do this um and i'm dozing off and you know as you doze off and that layer hits i i hear the real world fade away almost and uh then that static hits you know that that vibrational la layer hits you uh as soon as i hit that vibrational layer something is sitting on my couch and it's enjoying my couch and it's bouncing up and down on my couch and the thing is, is because I've had sleep paralysis for so long, spirits know when someone is having sleep paralysis. I don't know how or why, but it maybe it's a, a certain way. Maybe they actually see your, your body detaching, you know, your spirit leaving itself. Uh, but I felt the shift of the spirit realize that I was having the paralysis. So I go from hearing the spirit feeling the comfortableness of the couch to hearing it stand up, pop down on its two feet, walk over to the bed and it puts its hand on my side and then it sits on the bed. Uh, from there it goes, hi. And I, you know, I wiggled my toe and I finally got out of it, but that was a break. It was like a welcome to the apartment sort of sleep paralysis, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, that's what I experienced. Um, you know, I staged the place because it was another apartment building, hundreds of tenants, you know, I truly felt like it was a lot of energy, you know, and there was, you know, all these people, there's going to be something in this building. Uh, once I staged it, I did not have any more spirited paralysis. I did have paralysis, but it did not couple another energy being in the room. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it said hello to you, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I I experienced a lot of entities talking to me. Yeah. 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 And 
do you ever get used to that or does it freak you out every time? You know, it freaks me out because I don't, I, you know, the last time I opened my eyes to actually look at an entity, it had razor sharp teeth and red eyes. (laughs) I said no to that. So I keep my eyes closed. So I, you know, when that, that entity was in the room and it sort of like pressed its face on my cheek, but it was like elongated to the other side of my body, still standing up. (laughs) I just, I gotta say, no, I can't look at the face. (laughs) No, I, I, I know. I I I 100% agree. (laughs) I mean, if you can't control these things and make it stop, then at least don't look at it. Right. You know, and you know, I've so I've also had experiences where I've uh, sort of like astraled or lucid dreamed into another body that's not my own, Um, and I have vivid recollection of being on a sort of like military base but there's a fight and a brawl breaking out uh but we're trying to figure out what's going on uh but i remember so specific that it's a gated facility and there's shooting going on um but i wake up from the dream and then i'll go a week or so and then have that dream again and it's taken from a new perspective and we're in the getaway car if you will um and we're going down but there's intricate conversation i can see the navigation system on the screen um i can see where the person the driver is pointing um i can almost see the gender and race of the person it's you know sort of blurred um it's really weird you know like Um, I've had experiences so intricate where um, I've been in someone else. I don't, I I know it's not me because when I look down, it's not my hands, it's not my hair. Uh, But I was in this sort of like high rise apartment to one of the people that was working at the military base. And this dude's name was Bonds. And he was a mathematician because um, on the table was uh, math equation notes and i looked at this and i could not read it vividly it was blurry uh but i remember seeing like equations and everything and this was so vivid the guy's son was giving us a tour of the apartment that's how vivid it was i could see out the window um and see that we were in a very populated uh downtown area um i remember seeing the son's room we detoured into uh bonds's room um and in I woke up from there. I faded away when I became more conscious. Uh, but I, I, you know, remember those names very particular. Yeah. Uh, that, that has me like reeling in the sense that do you ever wonder if there's something going on that maybe other people or beings or something are controlling these experiences of yours? I mean, like that has, a little i i don't what i'm about to say i don't think is what you're experiencing but it has Mm -hmm. the feel of like that idea of like the 20 and back kind of thing where you know like you're you're in just like another body another time another frame of time and Mm -hmm. you're and you're you're operating there and then you wind going back into your normal body it just has that kind of feel to it i'm just like dang like is 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 there some kind of like secret military operation happening to Jasmine right now? <laughs> you know, uh, Tony, that's what it feels like. Um, when I was at the military sort of base, um, I experienced getting shot and going down and 
almost being rejuvenated, if you will, wow. like into another consciousness. Wow. It was very interesting. Um, and it's hard to explain, but like, like it was like breach mode, like someone, something happened. Um, and there's helicopters, lights going around, there's gunfire. We're breaking in into rooms. You know, I, I remember even picking up a notebook and trying to understand what was going on or seeing if there was notes from some room that, you know, once we breached, we were looking for, it, it was like a full purpose of this body that I was in and they were on their mission, you know, talk about a simulation. So your consciousness is going into some kind of like other simulated video game consciousness to do these, these things. And then you come back out of it. That's trippy stuff right there. That's trippy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just me. I don't know, but I think that's <laughs> trippy stuff. Yeah. You know, and the lady that I've been going into, uh, I don't know what her face looks like, but she's got blonde hair and she's white and, um, you know, she was the same person that was in Vons's apartment looking at the math notes um, and and talking to the sun. It was crazy. I was experiencing life through her eyes. Jasmine, I think we found another uh, film project for you there. I mean, this sounds <laughs> like so. it could be a TV show or a movie or something like, uh, man, you do it right. It could be on a level of the Matrix. That's, you know, man, that's the goal. <laughs> That's everybody's goal. I mean, I, you being in the industry, I'm sure you heard how that whole thing came together. Like those, like that, it was not meant. Like the, nobody thought that movie was going to be a success at all. No, they didn't. They they were like, yeah, this movie is just dookie. It's not going to succeed. And then they do three. Yeah. Excuse me, three films. Yeah, <laughs> they did three films, and uh, the concept of how they did it where like Neo would jump and the cameras would spin around kind of thing. Like that was new. Like, like that, that the way they did it was very new. And, um, from what I understand there, they had like all these cameras. It's like intricate. You probably do it now with just one camera, like a 360 camera, you know, but, uh, back then it was all new and there was not a lot of high hopes of this movie being anything. It turned out to be an all timer. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, and I, you know, the, the Matrix was, it's a movie, it's one of my faves, along with Interstellar, Interstellar is so good, um, and what's the other one, I, I can't think of the name, but, you know, I, I really like, you know, space movies, um, when they're done right, I truly feel like Interstellar was done right, because they did research, um, but also, those worlds could totally exist, you know, uh, it wasn't too far-fetched, you know, where they were fighting alien versus predator. <laughs> hey, now, hey, right? now. I, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to say that's, to, that's far fetched there. Okay. <laughs> you know what, Tony, you're right. Because, you know, I, I was, I was banking that we'd be all zombies by now after the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Um, well, uh, I'll, I'll part on this little factoid. Uh, yes. That movie, The Matrix, was, Neo was originally supposed to be Will Smith. Did you know that? Yes, I did know that. Like, when I found that out, I was thinking to myself, my gosh, how different would that movie be with Will Smith? Because right. Neo, just the way the character is played, I, I can't imagine Will doing it like that. 
And that's what I'm saying. I am a I'm a diehard Keanu fan. So yeah. he just embodies, you know, John Wick, the high table. Come on, man. <laughs> so I I agree with you. And 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 the way he is in real life is like just how he acts on camera. And I never watched the John Wick movies until literally recently. Uh, my brother referenced it in a text and I'm like, yeah, I never saw that movie. He's like, dude, I'm telling you now, just watch the first one and thank me later. And he was right. My gosh. He's, mm-hmm. he's like, do I know you or do I know you? I was like, yeah, right? you know me. He's <laughs> like, I knew that would get you all riled up. I was like, "Woo, what a good movie. <laughs> what a good movie. It made me feel like I, I, I wanted to be John Wick. I just wanted to go and rah, go crazy, you know? Right. So, Oh my gosh! Just the gun, the gun scenes. Wow! <laughs> I love it. I freaking love. I love guns too. So there you go. But uh-huh. uh, anyways, Jasmine, it's been great. I really Thank appreciate you. coming on. But before we get out of here, remind people where they can find your podcast. Yes, yes. You guys can find me uh, at sleepsnatcherspodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on any uh, streamer streaming platform for podcasts. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram, Sleep Snatchers Podcast. And if you're, you know, reach out to me. <laughs> Well, that's the end of part one, everybody. Unfortunately, I was not able to fit this entire file in one stream. I had to split it into two parts. That sucks. But head on over to part two if you're interested. And there's a whole other half of this show waiting for you. See you there.